everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of Otaku Brothers. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas to all you fine folks out there and listeners. My name's Rusty, and I'm joined by my forever co-host, Ryan. What's going on? Yeah, not much. It's a uh, technically a white Christmas, I guess. Very foggy out there. Yeah, it's... I wouldn't... Because I went to the gym this morning at 8 o'clock. Good for you. I, I woke up at 8 o'clock. Nice. Congrats. I got up at 6.30, and I hated myself, so I went back to bed until like... Seven ten, oh, and then yeah, love well, yourself, Ryan. Well, I didn't want to be awake. We're all about but... self love on this podcast, mm. and <laughs> bean protein, Ryan. God, Lauren, yeah. So Lauren, being the uh, funny person she is, we talk about uh, what is it, vegetable proteins and stuff at work. Sure, because it's a Joe Rogan thing. They have he has a lot of speakers telling him like only eat vegetables and eat bean proteins and whatever. So apparently Lauren said that to you. Yeah, so Lauren is still sick. She's coming off the viral bronchitis, and so she's been kind of quarantined in the room while I've been playing games outside out in the the living room, just kind of chilling, hanging out. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a text yesterday saying, and this was out of nowhere. Like this was not something we her and I had been talking about. Like just out of nowhere says do you want to start eating dinners together and try doing one night a week of meatless meals now for some context there when she says do you want to start eating dinners together laura and i have very different work life balance so oftentimes i'll get home at like 4 30 to let out scoob lauren sometimes not home until eight o'clock at night so we very rarely actually sit down and eat supper with one another unless it's like a special occasion or on the weekends yeah so that's why she kind of said that and then the back half of that text, um, one night a week of meatless meals. And so my response was, we can do both of those things. Why meatless? And she said, people talk about all the benefits of reducing meat and adding plant and bean protein. To which Ryan was not pleased with that text. No, it's just a fad diet. I I don't know. I'm going to give her crap because we have a guy at work who is probably a serial killer in his spare time. Yikes. Probably outside of work. What's his name? Jacob. Oh, that's definitely a serial killer name. Yeah, he, he, I think he was in Twilight for a while. But he, I think he kills the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> he has an alter ego at night yeah. when he sees the moon. Outside. Uh-huh. Yeah, he probably bites their neck and then turns into a wolf. And his um, fur shines in the moonlight. Yeah, and... He what is it? He molted with a kid, something like that. What is what was that term that they used? It wasn't he imprint on them. imprinting. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. seen the Twilight movies. Yeah, that's only a, for educational purposes, so like I can speak to them on the podcast. We visited Grandma in the hospital. She was like watching Twilight. Yeah, she was watching Twilight. She's like, nothing's happening in this movie. <laughs> and I was like, my grandma's shitting on Twilight. I love it. So ah, uh, beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, it's foggy out. Did leg day. Um, now I'm here. I was listening to some uh, swing music with you. You were, and it's a. Yeah. Uh, this is Otaku Brothers, by the way. This is a video game podcast. We talk about all kinds of things, very nerd related, very nerd centric. But uh, we got a fun episode today, Ryan, because we have to talk about the top ten games that we played this year. Yes, and, and I played ten. Wow, good for you! <laughs> yeah, so Just for the podcast. This. Yeah, I made it. Well, so I actually finished. Far fewer games than I did last year. So if some progress, folks mate. have been listening for quite some time here. If I pull up my list here, I finished. Are you going to do like uh, honorable mentions? Yes, I have okay. three of those. Okay. So I beat forty-three games last year. Damn. 
<laughs> and I beat 26 this year. So I spent a lot yeah. more time focusing on... Probably a dog. That was a lot of my time the back half of the year, for sure. Um, but it's interesting because five of these games are actually just Walking Dead games because I played through the entirety of that series again okay. leading up to the release of the final season of The Walking Dead. Of course, Telltale, rest their hearts, and all those people. I hope they find jobs because they're all very talented folks. Um, but I, I played through all of those games leading up to the launch of that. So really, I beat about 20 games this year, which was a fair number, very mix, mixture of genres and various platforms, but it was very PS4 heavy. And so one of the other things that Ryan and I want to do probably in the back half of the show is talk about our goals for the for the next year, whether it's gaming resolutions or just personal in nature, Ryan. You know, yes. like, eat less carbs. That's probably number one on my list. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Protein. Bean protein. There it is. But a couple goals that I have for myself. Consume a wasp nest. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, that's probably on my bucket list. But Ryan, we should probably talk about our top 10 games of the year, and okay. Lauren actually also submitted her, her top three <laughs> four. <laughs> wow, we're off to a great start of this show. Okay. Yeah. And Lauren, whore. <laughs> <laughs> I have a nervous tick, Ryan. Sometimes some, yeah. <laughs> some things I can't control. Oh. They just they just kind of come out. But she submitted her top three games that she played this year as well, so I'll be sharing those later. But Ryan, maybe we just kick it off with some honorable mentions. Okay. Do you have any? I have RuneScape and Pokemon Ruby version. Wow, I never would have thought Ruby version would have Yeah, well, I, I focus mainly on games that I've played specifically this year that's a lifelong commitment that i have is ruby version it is and i've actually made it over a hump i'm at 950 hours yikes i don't know if that's something we should talk about yeah but i'm like publicly i'm afraid now because i'm in the back half of getting to maxing out the time limit in that game what do you mean it caps out at 999 oh i thought it was like netflix where it's like are you still playing no, it knows I'm playing. I had Netflix do that, though, yesterday, which was sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it stops at 999, and then I'm like, how am I supposed to tell how many hours? And I have a second game that I have 240 hours into. So I'll just like... A second character in RuneScape, you mean? No, in uh, Pokemon. So I have my Sapphire version. Oh. So. RuneScape? I was talking about Pokemon, Ruby. Oh, that's what you have 950 hours in. I thought... Yeah. I no, are... I have like thousands of hours in RuneScape. Okay, <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, which is sad. But yeah, no, I have 950 hours in Pokemon Ruby version. Well, what you should do if you're really committed and you want to be the master is have a separate timer on your phone going while you're playing Pokemon once you hit that 999 mark. And so you just keep a log of all your hours. Yeah, but I played two DSs at once, so when I play... Gosh, you're such a fucking nerd. <laughs> all right, 26 games. Yeah. I've just played one committedly, so... Making new words in the podcast. Committedly? Yeah, that's good enough. We can consult Webster's, but I don't think that's in there. Yeah, I got like 20 unique Pokemon yesterday. Good for you, man. Or shinies, so... And I got a second Fly Surf Pikachu. Proud of you. Yeah, so. So, Ruby and RuneScape? Yeah, and then, I, I mean, I didn't play Spyro much, so I saw I, it's not even worth putting on the list, and then the ukulele as well. And I the Impossible Air. Mm -hmm. I didn't really play that much either. I will probably into next year, but mm -hmm. basically those four games. Good stuff. 
Good stuff. Yeah, you should definitely play more of the Reignited trilogy. I love the Spiral games. Ripto's Rage especially yeah, it was, is fantastic. it was the uh, time limit game that or the level that I didn't really like. Yeah, those flying levels that you have to collect the different items. It was like through a mine shaft, and I was like, ah, 30 seconds? It stresses me out. Those are tough, but I would say that it's such a minor hump to get over to enjoy what's otherwise a fantastic platformer. Yeah. So definitely something on 2020 that you should try and play. Okay. So for me, honorable mentions, I have three here. Number three is Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn on the 3DS, what was already a fantastic platformer on the Nintendo Wii that's just incredibly charming and such a beautiful game, wonderful soundtrack. I never thought I'd be playing this game again unless I was revisiting on the Wii, but when they when I found out that it was getting a 3DS port, absolutely picked it up. And then when Lauren and I were on vacation down in St. John, yeah. I ended up completing it down there. Again, you never go to Kirby games necessarily for a challenge. I mean, historically speaking, the the Kirby games that I've played, Crystal Shards, Dreamland 3 and 2 on the Dream Collection for Wii, these are just not games you go to for challenge. It's just it's just charm. It's overwhelming with it. Love mixing up the powers, and Kirby's Extra Epic, Epic Yarn has you flying around in a little spaceship UFO or a tank cruising through a level just running through enemies of course, all done in yarn form. Yeah. And is this usually like suck in people and get their powers? Or is that a different Kirby game? That's Kirby uh, Crystal Shards of the N64. Okay. Kirby's Adventure on the, the NES. Those are the games that you kind of suck in uh, enemies and replicate their powers, mm-hmm. as you do in uh, this Smash. This is just a UFO. UFO, a, a tank, a submarine. You're okay. a number of different things that you transform into based on your different environments. Um, other than that, you kind of ha- have this yarn ability where you, it's like a lasso, mm-hmm. and you kind of just rip the enemies away, and they fly into nothingness type of thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a brutal game. It's rated M. They leave the universe. Yeah. But no, Kirby's ex- Extra Epic Yarn was good times. Really fun, charming little platformer. Number two for me, speaking of Spyro, is the Reignited Trilogy. Mm-hmm. I ended up playing through the entirety of the first game, and a little bit of Ripto's Rage, and then my buddy Brian wanted to uh, borrow the game, yeah. so I lent it to him, because I think his wife is a big fan of the Spyro game, so... Hoping to get that back and play the rest of uh, 2 and then Year of the Dragon, which is the third one maybe next year. But Spyro is just a great time, and it looks as beautiful as ever in this HD trilogy. Yeah, it looks great. Um, I mean, of course, I loved the original PS1 versions, but what a great time to play Spyro and, I guess, Crash Bandicoot in the Insane trilogy, I think is what they Did you ever get that? that one. I didn't. I was tempted though because it it's was on, on sale the Christmas for, sale for twenty bucks, yeah. which is a good value for for three of those games. So I might grab that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I actually, if we do a games we've been playing recently segment, I did end up picking up a game on that sale. Okay, so that Stranding is forty bucks. But I feel like that's a game I'm gonna want to pass on and get my some money back after I beat it. Mm. And if I buy the digital version, I obviously can't do yeah, that. Yeah, that's my hesitation to buy those. Yeah, I mean, I bought Bloodborne on there. So I really want the case. So I'll probably have to buy Bloodborne, mm-hmm. a second copy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens if I buy anything else on that sale. But the number one honorable mention that I have is Yoshi's Crafted World. Okay. On the Switch. It came out earlier this year. I think it was just in time for my birthday. And while I really enjoyed that game, as Ryan and I have talked about in the past um, when it first came out, the music is just very uninspired. It sounds like someone just has their old recorder from middle school it really does. that's just blowing that to a different beat in each song or each level. And it's a fun platformer. It's beautiful. Graphically, it looks amazing. But I just didn't feel like it did anything very inventive, um, especially for a Nintendo game and one of their flagship characters. Yeah. I just expected a little bit more. 
Yeah, I did like the outfits. That was one of the best parts of the game. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those, the little gumball machines. Well, and it, it it had so much replay value because of that. Yeah, going back and I guess what did you need to collect in order to buy those? Was it those coins. little little just regular coins? Little regular coins. Yeah, I think it was like a hundred per spin or something like that. Okay, yeah, and it's a little gumball machine that spits out the different outfits, yeah. which were adorable, as you would expect from a Yoshi game. Lauren actually started playing that game last night. Did she? She nice. did, and it's it's not on her top three because she just started playing it last night, but another Yoshi game is. Hmm. But uh, yeah, Yoshi's Craft World was just a really good time. Nice, that's on my list. Is it? Yeah, it's because it's one of the ten games. That <laughs> it's a really short list. Yeah. One of the 10 games you played yes, and beat this year. So, Ryan, why don't you just ring in here. What's number 10 for you? Pokemon Sword. Okay. Yeah. Didn't even make my list, actually. Well, I mean, you probably had way better games than Pokemon Sword. You, what, made it through the third gym? Third gym. And I I guess let let me clear the air here. He hates it. No, I don't. I I think I just wasn't really in the mood for a Pokemon (laughs) game. Because I started playing it, and just nothing was pushing me forward. I don't think that's a knock or reflect a reflection on the quality of the game necessarily. Sure, there's some of the graphical hiccups that Ryan and I aren't over the moon about. We've laid that to rest. We've talked about it enough. But I just don't think I was in the mood for a Pokemon game. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very hand-holdy. I mean, your freaking friend-slash-rival talks to you like every road. Oh my gosh, that was... He's annoying as hell. Well, I had a, a co-worker who exchanged his switch for a like a limited edition console mm-hmm. he, he got the uh the bare bones version and then a limited edition came out so he traded it in and he thought that the game saved to the cartridge for pokemon it actually saved to the console yeah so when he put it back in he had to restart his game yeah, which just pissed him off to no end because the first like three hours of that game is just mashing the a button to get through dialogue well that's what i, I deleted my zelda save on accident because it was tied to Rick's name. Oh, yeah. So I deleted Rick's account because Rick sold me his Switch. And I was like, oh, cool. So, like, it'll just save to the console, not, like, specifically the name of, like, the user. It's, yeah, the register to that ID. So I deleted Rick, and then I had to rebeat the game. Mm. So I don't have my max gear. You'll which get Which is there. sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Pokemon Sword, it was a game. Uh, <laughs> it is not nearly as good as Pokemon Ruby. They took out a lot of features like the GTS or the global trade system. Mm-hmm. So to get the entire Pokedex, you either have to have a friend, and those are rare. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> that like to Rarer have... than Mewtwo himself. Yeah, no kidding, because they took out freaking Mewtwo. Yeah, they did. Um, well, one that likes Pokemon, two that's willing to go and collect the deck. I mean, usually you just put in a Pokemon and they send you a different Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like you could buy Pokemon, essentially. So... I don't know. It, I don't. It, the more I think about it, the worse and worse it gets mm-hmm. as far as a Pokemon game. And all the plot is backloaded after the um, Elite Four. Oh, is it? Yeah. So like all the legendary shit happens after the Elite Four, and you're like, it's the same way Kingdom Hearts sucks. Or <laughs> whoa. King, whoa. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Three sucks because all of the plot happens within the last forty-five minutes of the game. That's We're very much maze. accurate. Yeah. So it's like, oh, let's run to different worlds and like run through the story of Tangled or whatever, which is cool. Like, I'm a friend of the little chameleon guy, but like Pascal, Pascal, and his wager. Um, yeah, but like it's backloaded completely, and then you get to the end. You don't even get to catch the legendary until after you beat the champion. Hmm. This is dumb. Well, I mean, I don't really care about story in Pokemon, but 
for people that are or do care, like yourself, that is yeah, very I much care about Pokemon and it being a good game. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, it made your list. That's telling of something. I mean, it's either you didn't play I enough mean, games was, this year, or <laughs> it made my list by default because I've only played ten games. That's true. So that's true. Yeah, it was. It got the uh, participation trophy for this year. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm <laughs> it glad it was a game. I'm that glad. I played. For so. me, number ten is Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh, cool. It was kind of the Uncharted game that we didn't get this year yeah. that I was still able to play in Rise of the Tomb Raider. It has all the set piece and spectacle moments that you'd expect from an Indiana Jones Uncharted-like experience. Super over the top, but I think the added benefit of, of Tomb Raider is they're more, there's more of a focus on crafting yeah. and finding resources around your different environments. How did that compare to Horizon now that you've played it? Oh, it doesn't hold a candle to Horizon. I mean, Horizon's a whole other ballpark of of crafting materials oh okay yeah i mean like so the crafting system how does that compare like making arrows and like yeah it's more making arrows your pouches with skins of animals yeah no it's it's not even to that degree necessarily i would say tomb raider is more of a focus on on ammo and small cosmetic upgrades and some powerful upgrades to your weapons but nothing to degree of horizon where you're you know killing boars and raccoons and fish and taking their skin and bones to like literally increase the capacity that you can hold in the game. Wasn't or, it fun hunting? I loved raccoons it. And shit in I mean, I'd throw in a podcast and just you know roam the open land and just take out rabbits. Kill yeah. yeah. And then just skin them alive and take all their resources and you know, upgrade all your your That's pouches. That's why Lauren probably wants to do a vegetable like diet. She's like, I watched you skin like Fifty squirrels alive. (laughs) We should probably kill some plants too. I will actually say though, Ryan, that I had had this list pretty set before I played Horizon, right? And I actually did make some minor shifts and adjustments to games last night in terms of the ranking of some of these. Horizon's not on here, not because it's not deserving to be. You're such a dick. (laughs) It's gonna be on my list next year, just because like. The same reason, not the same reason necessarily, but Last of Us is also not on here because it would have been my number one. Because it's my number one game in the last decade. And Horizon probably would have been top three this year. But I just played it so late in the year that I felt like these ten games were so deserving of being on the list that I didn't want to lop any of them off to make room for Horizon. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I mean... All right. (laughs) Horizon is a phenomenal game. It is absolutely probably a top ten game of the decade for me. Yeah. But I, luckily, I, we have a couple weeks to make that list. That's right, and I did want to. I wanted to speak to these ten games specifically. Okay, so sounds good. Rise of the Tomb Raider. I'm looking forward to playing Shadow. Although I have heard from Dean, fellow Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that it is not a great game. Really? He said it's almost, and I can see that because I think with each subsequent game, the first Tomb Raider game that was rebooted back in 13 or 14, whenever it was, was not open world necessarily it it was in that you could travel to your heart's content but you were still confined to a relatively closed off area rise of the tomb raider kind of opened that up a little bit and was like hey here are all these optional tombs that you might never find but if you go off the beaten path you are going to find them and i think shadow the tomb raider is more like hey here's just this gargantuan map explore it to your heart's content side quest galore there is a main quest line somewhere in there which scares me because I, i play these games because it's a little bit less linear than an Uncharted game, it allows you to explore, but it's not a Horizon game where it's just kind of overwhelming at times. Yeah. So maybe I'll play Shadow next year. We'll see. Okay. Sounds good. 
Number nine, Ryan. My number nine is Yoshi Crafted World. Very nice. Yeah, so I enjoyed this. It does sound like a, a third grader blown on a recorder for a lot of it. It does. Um, it's my first Yoshi game. It's adorable, besides the lackluster music. Um, the entire map setup of like all the worlds is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I love collecting all the little balls with your outfits in them. That is such an amazing little feature. Yeah. And then when you 100% a world, like I think you can run backwards and kill sheep. Right. Yeah, you can like hit them with like little uh, little balls or whatever. You can just throw little things. Yeah. At them. So basically, like once you beat a level, you can run through it the opposite direction from the end to the front, and you kill sheep along the way. Mm-hmm. And when you 100 percent like one of those little worlds, they like grow flowers, and okay. it becomes like unlocked or whatever. So you can. There's a lot of collectability to it. I don't know. I like Mario games a lot better. Like Mario Odyssey, I found to be way better or higher quality, but. Yeah, first Yoshi game, pretty good. Probably like an eight, seven and a half. Nice. Yeah, no, good times. I mean, it came in at number one on my honorable mentions. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but just not quite as much as these other ten games. Okay. Number nine for me, I spoke very highly of this game when we first played it. Poi. (laughs) I forgot I played that one. It is a little 3D platformer that's very inexpensive on the PSN store. You might be able to get it on Switch or PC and Xbox as well, but... Everyone that's listened to this podcast for any number of episodes knows how big a fan I am of 3D platformers and how few and far between they are these days. I mean, I feel like for every 3D platformer, you have 10 first-person shooters. Yeah. And Poi really just scratched that itch earlier in the year of a 3D platformer that isn't in any way as polished as a a Mario Odyssey or a Rayman Legends or something like that, even though Rayman Legends is a 2D platformer, graphically, it's super simplistic. It looks mm-hmm. like something you would have seen last generation. But yeah. what where this game is just a crown jewel achievement in 3D platformers is its controls. Because that's one of the biggest things that, ah, uh, your character can feel kind of floaty, super slow. It's just not tight. And the yeah. platforming in this is incredibly tight. Did you beat that level that was completely dark? Did you beat the entire game? Oh, yeah, I beat the game. I almost got the platinum trophy. Oh, nice. Yeah. I did not. I got stuck on the, like, there was rats in the dark, and you had to, like, trampoline everywhere. Oh, I don't really remember that distinctly, but... Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, the plot is weird in that game. I love the game. It was a lot of fun. But, Mm -hmm. like, his wife goes missing, so, Some random old dude on a blimp, like, (laughs) it's like, hey, why don't you take a ride with me, and let's go to random planets or worlds. Yeah, my wife's missing. Hey, we should get these, like medals that are around the world like just doesn't care about his wife anymore but yeah i really liked it it felt like an old school platformer yeah if you enjoy the banjo kazooies and donkey kong 64s of the world definitely give this game a look because it really will scratch that itch for you again graphically it doesn't do anything groundbreaking but i think it's simplistic it's it's beautiful in its simplicity i think yeah so check it out it's really really good fun like two bucks oh it's super cheap i mean definitely less than 10 bucks so yeah Give it a look. Nice. I totally forgot I played that. Well, I'm here to remind you that Poi was did amazing. You have, did you have on your list that you played that one Portal game? That Portal RPG? Where it's like kind of like Minecraft, except there's portals to different worlds? Do you portal remember? Knights. No, I did not. Because I didn't, like, you can't necessarily finish that game. I think you can, but I didn't. That's a good call out. Yeah. That's a game as well. <laughs> portal Knights. I did play that. It kind of... Got my foot in the door to eventually play Minecraft, maybe? Yeah, I was watching some videos on Minecraft this week. I really want to play Minecraft now. 
You should. Or play Dragon Quest Builders. Yeah. I mean, if you have the cocaine, why settle on, like, juicy fruit? (laughs) (laughs) You might as well go all in and just huff it. That's right. So, anyway, my number eight uh, is Borderlands 3. Oh, that it was a game that came out this year. Yeah, you didn't get that one, did you? No, I did not. I never beat it. I got stuck on one of the bosses where it's like a giant robot thing that spins around. Um, I'm probably like 75% of the way through the game. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It's a it's a Borderlands. It's, it's more Borderlands. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you kind of know what you're getting into. It's a looter shooter. Tons of ridiculous guns. I mean, I think there's a gun that run like grows legs and like runs around and shoots things after you reload. Sounds about right. It's Borderlands. I didn't find the two antagonists to be anything special. They're like Twitch streamers, and they like oh really Twitch stream themselves killing people. I don't know. They're it wasn't as good as like Handsome Jack. That sounds kind of lame. Yeah, I mean you can't. It's hard to one up Handsome Jack. So. Yeah, I would probably say Borderlands 2 was way better, mm-hmm. but it's you know what you're getting into when it comes to guns and loot and stuff. So Cool. I think you should eventually play it and just no, borrow I, my copy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of those games that kind of like Skyrim, you just are in the mood to play a Borderlands game, that looter shooter, you know, gameplay style is just something that um I don't know, eventually I'll get the the desire to play something like that. Okay. So. Yeah. What's your number eight? Number eight for me is a game we both played. I hope it's on your list. Nino Kuni 2. Yes. So I enjoyed the hell out of this game. I me had too. so much fun. Like, there's few games, Ryan, that we've played together where we're like sending each other screenshots and text messages back and forth as we're exploring new areas <laughs> or getting new weapons and gear and things like that. And this was one of those games. Yeah. I think as much as I enjoyed the experience itself, it was almost that back and forth dialogue that made me enjoy it like look at this awesome sword or like look at my town hall yeah yeah and you know i love jrpgs nino kuni has the graphical style of a studio ghibli film i never played wrath of the white witch was which was the first game you started then your mom got hit by a bus or something and she then... drowned and had a heart oh, attack yeah. <laughs> cool that's one of the games i actually want to play next year yeah but i'll any... probably borrow yours because it sounds terrifying well no it's just that opening bit and then the rest of it's beautiful but i didn't play the first one which for those that played the first and then the second said they hate it didn't hate the second but they they enjoyed it far less because they thought the first one was so much better for whatever reasons reasons i've yet to find out but i'm glad i kind of played the second first to kind of i guess you can only go up from here type of thing okay but the first game what the first game doesn't have that the second does that you and i fell in love with was the city building mechanic Yes. So the whole game is about this young boy eventually becoming king. And in order to do that, he has to establish his own kingdom. And so throughout the game, you're completing all these different side missions and recruiting townspeople to come in. And when you recruit those people, then you can build these different buildings, these shops and just different facilities to eventually build your town out that much more. And one suggestion is to do all the side or some of the side quests to get the people along the way mm-hmm. or you're going to hit a wall where you have to get 50 people yeah. <laughs> right before the final fight. So Yeah, which I mean we did. Yeah, and I just I love the gameplay style. It's an action RPG at heart. You find these enemies kind of scattered across the map. Once you run into them, it kind of kicks off this this battle very much like Pokémon. 
but instead of a turn-based battle, you're kind of in this circular area, and then you kind of just hack and slash with these people. Yeah. And along your journey, you meet a number of different folks that you end up recruiting onto your own team. And not only can you unlock weapons for yourself, but you can find other weapons and armor outfits for them as well. Yeah. The only knock on this game is that when you equip these different abilities, you don't actually see it, except for your, your sword. That's the only thing that like physically, visibly changes in the game. Yeah. But I still found it to be... And you got those little armies that fight each other. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different... This was, this it's game like three games in one. Try to be so many different genres, but I felt like in, in a rare, very rare instance, it was successful in each of them. Yeah. So you have a city-building game, you have an action RPG at heart, and then you have a, almost a real-time strategy game where you have these legions of forces that you're controlling yeah. and fighting these like other... It was like little pop-figure armies, kind of... It... Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it was a beautiful little um, mixture of genres, and I thought it was very successful in, in all cases. The story, sure, it was a, your standard JRPG fare. Yeah, it, it was very JRPG. Like a, a president was in a nuclear holocaust, and then he got teleported into a different dimension where there was a rat like uprising that killed a king. And then you have to establish yourself in a new kingdom and then join forces with the or kill the rat king. Yeah. It is. And then he summons a demon and then like the president goes back to the blown up world and there's balloons. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, people. <laughs> it's as JRPG as it gets. I was weeping by the end. Yeah, I was like, what is you lost me after you blew up a city and then there was a rat king. And I was like, oh, okay. It's going to be one of these. I'm along for it. You know, I'm, I'm here yeah. for this this ride. It was a good time. Really had a lot of fun playing it. And I'm very much looking forward to playing the the first game, Wrath of the White Witch, next year, which got an HD remaster for PS4. And people need to know this. It was remastered for PS4. So visually, it did have some touch-ups. Mm -hmm. The Switch version is actually just a port of the PS3 game. It didn't get graphically upgraded in any significant way. Which one way. did you get? You got the Switch? I got the PS4 version because okay. them trophies, Ryan. Oh, yeah. That's my problem with doing like PC stuff. Mm -hmm. Is I don't get the satisfaction and like the dopamine hit. Though. There are Steam trophies or achievements. Who gives a shit about Steam trophies, though? <laughs> like, well, PSN. When we, when we talk about our goals for 2020, we'll kind of get into that because most of my games, if I beat 26 games this year... 23 of them were PS4 games because <laughs> it's hard for me to break away and play a game like well that's why it was so devastating when I lost my PS3 like I got the or not PS3 my uh, Xbox 360 mm -hmm. like it just fried itself and I lost all my trophies and my like username your achievements you can still recover that if you get a new Xbox <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> Why would I do that? Uh, we love you, Phil Spencer. Yeah, I mean, the game that matters is Halo Infinite, and I can get it on PC. Yeah. Well, I was playing New Super Lucky's Tale on the Switch, which yeah. is this collect-a-thon 3D platformer that you got for me for Christmas. And It's adorable. I'm going through these levels and trying to collect all the, the different collectibles in the game, but then I'm thinking, like, I can either beat this game in six hours and have a, a raging good time doing it, or collect everything and it take me 20 hours and I get nothing to show for it except for like a little mark on the screen that says you did this. Yeah. Now, to be fair, that's what happens in, in a PlayStation game when you collect everything. But again, that dopamine release when you get a platinum trophy that's like, hey, you collected everything in ukulele. I know you lost like seven years of your life doing it, <laughs> but damn, was it satisfying. Yeah. Did you ever beat the final boss? 
Fuck that. No, I didn't. Okay. That's why it's not my number one game of the year is because... That boss is ridiculous? Oh my gosh. We'll get into that later. But man, was that frustrating to me. Did you ever look up someone beating that... Or is there a checkpoint midway through? No, there's no checkpoints. You have your 48 Bs and good luck. Really? That's so, like a... Someone speedrunning oh. it, Ryan, that didn't skip a beat. Like was just boom, boom, boom. Like one of the craziest speedruns you've ever seen. Beat it in 17 minutes. The final level shouldn't take 17 freaking minutes to beat speedrunning. So Wait, I think, the level itself took 17 minutes? Yeah. So getting to the very end and beating the King Bee. So if I do this normally and take my time, I have to sit there and precisely jump through all these platforms. It'll probably take me like an hour and Holy I can't screw shit. up. So if I get to the very end and lose 45 minutes of my life trying to get to that final level and I can't do it. Well, it's, it's like one of those speed runs where they're like 12 hours in and then their thing like glitches. Yeah. <sighs> so we'll talk more about ukulele and the impossible layer. Honestly... When I was thinking about where I was going to place it in my top games of the year, I just removed that from my memory completely. I was like, no, I'm going to focus on the Everything 99% of this game that was perfect for me and not that 1% that could have potentially just derailed the whole experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to allow that because there's so much good there. I couldn't allow that to ruin it. Okay. So. Yeah, I'll have to watch someone beat it then. So yeah, you, me you too. You know how it ends, right? Yeah, they kill the King Bee, we celebrate and... Have a couple pints. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess it's not really plot heavy. There's a B. And by pints, I mean tonics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Number seven for you? Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3. Very nice choice. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's more Kingdom Hearts. It's pretty. Um, there's no plot until like the last 10 minutes, which you already talked about. Like, Literally, there's no plot. You're just running from world to world, which was kind of upsetting because, I mean, everyone goes into Kingdom Hearts caring about the plot, knowing what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And you get to the last, like, I don't know. It, is it spoilers at this point, talking about how it ends? No one's going to understand what we're saying anyways. It's like we're speaking okay, a different language. Like, the evil bald dude, like, becomes your friend at the end and then turns into light. Right, because he f- he became friends with the ninja guy from that other uh, Kingdom Hearts game with Roxas or uh, fucking blue-haired girl, Aqua. I, Aqua. Yeah. Like there was some ninja guy who used to be his friend when Bald Dude was young. Yeah. And then they like, he's like, "Hey man, like you're kind of being a dick," and he's like, "Uh, okay," and then they just disappear. Makes zero sense. We need to get Chrono Link 9-1 on here to talk about Kingdom Hearts because he can speak to it kind of off the hip a lot more than I can. He's very knowledgeable about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, we could. I mean, we tried to do the plot line, and it took us like 45 minutes of me like... And we still don't really understand what happened. Yeah, hopefully the next game... I don't play Kingdom Hearts for story. Let it be known, folks. Yeah, I mean, like, the combat was fun. You got, like, carousels now. All kinds like of Disney the swingy boat thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Um, I mean, you know what you're getting into with those games. Just lots of fun Disney Final Fantasy stuff. Not as much Final Fantasy. Zero as the other actually. One. There was zero in the base game. Really? That's why people were flipping their their lids when we saw the trailer for Rewind or Remind, whatever it's called. I could have sworn there was. You okay? It's like a stampede's going on. Yeah. 
I could have sworn there was at least one character, but yeah, I mean we. I mean, I've been wrong about Kingdom Hearts before, but I'm pretty sure there were zero Kingdom or Final Fantasy games in the base game, but they are coming back for the DLC. Okay. Yeah, hopefully it gets redeemed. It was a lot of fun, though. That mm-hmm. was one of the games that we played together. It was. Similar to Nino Kuni. Yeah, so. it's a little bit higher up on my list. Uh, we will get to my thoughts about it a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. My number seven, I actually did not plan this at all. Actually, I think it moved down a little bit last night based on another game that moved forward. Resident Evil 7. Oh. My gosh. I mean, this game revolutionized and revived very much the Resident Evil series because... For so long, you know, you had Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3. I think there were, like, Code of Veronica, some other side games in there as well. And then 4 was kind of that next game on the GameCube for this new generation of consoles that revolutionized what we thought and claimed to be Resident Evil. Yeah. And for so long, Resident Evil 4 was not only one of my favorite games of all time, but it was far and above my favorite Resident Evil game. And then introduced this first-person shooter... That's completely unrelated to anything Resident Evil thus far. Mm-hmm. As far, at least, that's what we thought until we got to the end of the game. And I took a gamble with this one because while I love horror movies and, and scary games, this thing took things to a completely new level. Go back and listen to when I first talked about this game, my impressions. I walked through the entirety of the story. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. But my gosh, this game scared the hell out of me. More so than I think any movie I've ever watched. Yeah. And I love it, it because terrifying. of it. As scary as it was, the gameplay was so compelling. The story, believe it or not, people, I actually cared about. I wanted to know what happened to your wife. Why was she in this house and why has she been there for two years and why the heck is she batshit crazy? You yeah. know? There was more to this family that was holding her hostage than what they were letting on in the beginning. The crazy dad, the psycho son, the freaky-ass mom, and this old lady that was just rotting away in a chair. And the way <laughs> this story unfolds... Like the prince that we just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, speaking of, that'll be the picture of the show on Discord. The okay. This prince that uh, yeah. is going to maybe take a seat next to Eliz- Queen Elizabeth. My goodness. he look, I, I've literally seen dead people look more alive than this man. It'll no check it on the Discord, um, but yeah, I love the way this story unfolded. The different weapons that you you got throughout the game, scavenging for resources. Ammo was so scarce, so you had to make every bullet count and try and get headshots. Otherwise, you would have been completely screwed. Yeah, getting chased by things. The dad, especially around the house, was just with his like thirty lives. Terrifying. I mean, the game is just so brilliant because of how much it it has you on your toes the whole way. I yep. mean, there's not one moment in this game where you can, like, have a sigh of relief unless it, you're getting to a safe room and saving and turning off the game. Like, that's about as, as good as it gets. But how the game unfolds, I think, is so well done. For me, like, if it played out in a movie, it would have been one of the most... one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Certainly the best horror game I've ever played. The best Resident Evil game it takes the, the throne away from Resident Evil 4, surprisingly. I love this game. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I was intrigued by the plot. I mean, I wasn't a fan of, like, actually playing Resident Evil games, but I, I can care about the plot. Yeah, Resident Evil 4, I mean, you save the president's daughter. It's kind of like a very cliche whatever. But Resident Evil 7 took things to a new level, and especially coming away from a disappointing game in Resident Evil 6. I know the Revelations games are, are held in pretty high regard. I, 
I played, Reve I played Revelations on the 3DS and enjoyed that quite a bit. Never played the second game, but I know Resident Evil 6, I played Leon's Campaign, and that was not a Resident Evil game. That was an action zombie shooter. Okay. And Resident Evil 7 brought it back to its horror roots, and I can only look forward to hopefully what we find in Resident Evil 8 in the next few years. I love it for to continue to be a first-person shooter. Mm -hmm. Maybe just give us a completely new, unique story with new characters, or maybe continue this story that we, you know, we had in seven. But um, do they announce number eight? No, there's been but no word just... about the future of the series. Okay. Um, well, what they're doing now is Capcom's remaking the older games. Yeah. So two that. was remade earlier this year, and three is coming out next, I think, spring. I did hear about that one. So, cool. Resident Evil Seven, play that game, man. Really good stuff. Yeah, or go back, don't play the game, and listen to us go through the entire plot. You can do that as well. You can do that as well. Ryan, what is your number six game? My number six is Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, very So I nice. borrowed your game on the Switch. Um, it took me a little while, but it's just a beautiful game. Mm -hmm. Like, each world... I mean, going back to the original world, they're like different colors or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, these all have... I mean, the first world is like uh, like a Mexican ice world. So you get like sombreros and like pelts. I don't know, and like you churros. Churros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get some nachos to eat while you're killing goombas. No, I mean like all the worlds are so unique, and all the outfits. Like we love dressing up our characters or the avatars that we play as in different things. And like I was a, I had like a jet outfit, and you get to go to like a realistic world, like a city. New Donk City. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's so well done, and the it controls really well. A little bit better than Poi. Hey, no. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just a beautiful game, and it's definitely... I think I gave it like a 9.5 mm -hmm. out of 10. Okay. So. It's definitely a game I want to play. I, Travis was speaking its praises a couple weeks ago. was saying it would definitely be a great holiday game. Um, but I've kind of found that right now as far as a 3D platformer in... Yeah. New Super Lucky's Tale, which I'm very much enjoying. I, I can imagine it doesn't hold a candle to uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Did you ever play the Mario Galaxy games on the, on the Wii? No, this is like the sequel to those kind of like... Well, it's the successor in, the in 3D Mario games, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Now, would you want to see Odyssey I'm 2, or would you want them to just kind of like reinvent another 3D Mario game and I go back to... I want them to remake Sunshine. Okay. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. So that's where you want them to go in their next 3D Mario adventure? Yeah, just I mean, I, I love Flood and just all of Shadow Mario and just how beautiful the oceans were in that game. But I don't know. Odyssey was nice. I'd rather have like a hub world where it's just one environment than like hopping around to 12 or 13 worlds. Mm -hmm. I would love that as well. Super Mario Sunshine was a terrific 3D platformer and I loved its unique take on 3D Mario. Or I love them to do a dual pack remake of the Galaxy games because those games deserve to be played by more people. And given the number of people that are buying into Switch, I think it'd be a perfect dual pack remake for the for the system. Yeah, they could make a remake a lot of the old games, and I'm sure a ton of people would buy them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would. So that's a ton of people. <laughs> <laughs> I speak for the masses. Yes, you do. Ryan, yeah. my number six game, if you're done talking about Odyssey. Yeah, f yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? I mean... Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I wanted to make sure you have your... your uh, Fine, your fucker. Air time. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great game. You should play it. Absolutely. After uh, Fox Game. 
new Super Lucky's Tale. Yes, I will do so. My number six was actually higher, but I had to make room for another game that we will get to. Marvel's Spider-Man. Okay. It was my number nice. five. I Or number six, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, going into this game, I knew kind of what I was going to get. I loved Insomniac's track record with games like Spyro and Ratchet and & Clank. I, had, I knew that they were going to knock it out of the park. And after hearing your thoughts on it earlier on and Travis sending me multiple text messages and blowing up our phones talking about it, I knew that this was going to do exactly what I wanted, which is help me become Spider-Man. You know, put him in the palm of my hand. and, and That's all we really want is just, to be Spider-Man. God, just put Peter Parker inside <laughs> me. <laughs> Hell, I'll get inside Peter Parker. We can switch it up. Yeah. Spence but it's in the night. Yeah, exactly. In the lube. <laughs> so Spider-Man. Yeah. I know. I loved it. I mean, you and I have talked about on the podcast how much we loved Spider-Man 2 back in the day. Yes. And how that game made you feel... Like you were Spider-Man. Unlike any previous Spider-Man game before that, whether on the PS1 or even the first Spider-Man game on the PS2, nothing quite gave you the, f- the freedom to just roam the city as Spider-Man 2 did. And then introduced this game that took things to a ne- the next level that it was a completely unique story that wasn't following a movie that they already had to the script for. Yeah. In this game, I'm not going to get into spoilers or story beats or anything like that, but you weren't only Spider-Man in this game. You saw Peter Parker. You saw the kid behind the mask. Yeah. And I almost enjoyed those moments, those story moments where you went to the shelter and talked to Aunt May or Miles Morales and all these other characters in the game. MJ, frick. I, MJ is amazing in this game. She is. I loved the relationship be- between those two that, I guess, spoilers, this is after she knows he's Spider-Man. He's been Spider-Man for a couple of years now. They break up. So it's like you get the awkward, like... Hey, do we like each other? Do we not like each other? Like, Yeah, and just how they played on that and tiptoed around that for the game, I thought was just brilliantly done. Yeah, It wasn't shoehorned in. It wasn't this cheesy, sappy romance. Like, it was real. Yeah, Like, it felt like a real-world relationship that was struggling to repair itself. And I felt like over the course of the game, it's just really well done. And then the Miles Morales stuff. Spoilers there. The way that all plays out and how... Spidey goes on missions with his dad and then you find out like oh you're gonna meet Miles later in the game and then you get to actually play as Miles Morales was just amazing and then this big map that has all these optional things that are all in your face at once over the course of the game there's these different gang missions that unlock these warehouse missions like it like the little backpacks that you I mean instead of chucking all these icons and I think that's one of the things Horizon does wrong. Or it, Assassin's Creed. That's why I can't play those games anymore. Yeah. It's too overwhelming. So, like, once you get something like a backpack, it goes off your map. And the only, like, main icons that stay on your map are, like, the gang fights or, like, a... Not boss raid, but, like, like a tower where you do one of those raid missions. Mm-hmm. And, like, the collectibles fall off as you get them. So it becomes way less cluttered, which I... Oh, so good. Yeah, no, I, I can very much appreciate that. And then one of the most compelling things we talked about in Yoshi's Crafted World, collecting the different outfits, the different Spidey suits in this game. I mean, there's, what, 20-plus of them that you can yeah. collect throughout the game? and they encourage you to do all the collectibles because that's how you get those costumes. Yeah, in order nice. to unlock those, you have to kind of collect a lot of these different things. And never once in this game that I feel bogged down or overwhelmed, pressured, or that it was a chore to collect these things. It was no. a joy because the flying in this game, we haven't even talked about that, was just incredibly done. I mean, it, it just felt so natural. There was no slowdown or anything like that. 
kicking off buildings and you know continuing to shoot your web your web around and just fly around the city perfect no, i mean the only was, reason this game isn't higher on my list is because i don't want to say these games are that much better but they just they struck a chord with me even more so than spider-man but that's in no way understating what spider-man did for me this year and my god it could have very easily been my game of the year yeah it's definitely higher up on my list um i love the crap out of this game I actually gave it to one of my coworkers because he just bought a PS4. Oh, so what a great game to start! Yeah, the he's gonna with. he's because we're on shutdown. He went to France, but when he gets back, jeez, wow, okay. <laughs> well, he surprised his wife, so it was like Friday. Was this Ryan? No, this is Stephen. Okay, and not Steve, the one I know that comes over. No, this is a different one. There's okay. a lot of Steves in my old. <laughs> okay, yeah, so like. It was Friday. I was like, hey, man, like, here's Spider-Man, because we were talking about it. And um, he's like, yeah, I'm going to France, so I'll probably play it when I get back. And I was like, oh, cool, with, like, your wife or, like, your side... <laughs> His side hustle? <laughs> no, he's like, yeah, I haven't even told my wife we're going to France. Like, he was going to surprise her that night and say, hey, tomorrow we're going to France. Wow. Which would piss me off, like, if I were the wife. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to do to that for know. Lauren sometime. Have, like, hey, we're going to Tokyo tomorrow, but... Man, that'd be tough. Because I like the details and like know what's going on and like to plan. So I think the biggest thing I'd want to do for Lauren, and may, hopefully she won't listen to this podcast. She doesn't even care about it. Thanks, Lauren, for the support. She's listened to like half an episode, like episode two, and was like, eh, yeah, not that good. You can't blame her. <laughs> this is mediocre, mediocrity at its finest, right? What I'd love to do for Lauren is book a trip to New York City and see Lion King on Broadway. Oh, that that would be really cool. Maybe like our five-year anniversary. Mm. So you're probably going to have to watch your dogs and maybe a kid at that point, Ryan. So I'll watch the dog. <laughs> okay. The parents can do the kid. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Um, no, Spider-Man was a ton of fun. I loved, I mean, with the stagger of the collectibles. I mean, the second I unlocked, I just ran around the map. Cause oh, I absolutely. Swinging. Yeah. So... The best one was the one where you get to take pictures of the monuments. And oh stuff. yeah, I forgot about the pictures too. Yeah, so like I'd be swinging through the thing, mid swing, pull out my camera, take it, and then go keep on going. I was like, yes, I'm a beast. Oh, it's so satisfying. Um, the combat was really good. Some of the like harder gangs were rough. Mm-hmm. I, the cyborg gang or whatever the final one yeah because they actually had like armor and you couldn't just walk up to them yeah those guys are brutal like i i think i'm at like 93 percent. you completed 100 percent. i did i haven't gotten the platinum trophy but as far as like clearing the map i've done that yeah um what do you have left in terms of trophies i know one specifically is this weird move i have to do with i have to like grab one guy and knock him into three other dudes or something like that okay it's a really weird trophy that i just the combat ones I kind of struggled with because you really have to kind of time a lot of that stuff perfectly. Yeah. That's the only trophy I can think of. I'm sure there's other stuff clearly that I have to do. I just can't really remember. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was the plot was great. You got a bunch of villains, which is really cool. Yeah. It wasn't I mean, just like, oh, the goblin like usual. It's like, no, there's a lot of stuff in there. <clears throat> and it sets up really well for a new Spider-Man. It does. Um, I mean, you get Doc Ock, who's actually your teacher. Oh, Which is really cool. That relationship, too, was so well-paced throughout the game. And then how it gets just more contentious as the game goes on. Well, the second I was like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm Doc Ock. I'm funding whatever. We're trying to make cybernetics. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I know where this is going. It and was, then it wasn't just like a pure rehash of Spider-Man 2. No, it like, wasn't. 
It was it really came well up done. with its own thing. Like I didn't know most of the Spider-Man villains mm-hmm. until this one. Um, yeah, I I love the heck out of it. Yeah, so. it's an amazing game. Again, it, it could have very well made my number one, but um, well, we'll see what happens when we get to number one. Okay. Well, Ryan, now we are getting into the top five games of the year. So, what is your number five? My number five we talked about already. It's Nino Cooney. Okay. Two. Good one. Yeah, I love this game. Yeah, like you were mentioning earlier, we kind of were sending pictures back and forth of our hot bods to each other. That and we were our swords. <laughs> I mean, not that we don't already do that, Ryan. Yeah. But um, no, I, it was fun to play it together. I think we tried. What's the other game that I picked up? Tales of Vesperia. That we tried to play together, and then the um, dragon. What was it the the one with the Dragon Quest Eleven? Dragon Quest Eleven. I just surprised. Tried to surprise you, and then you're like, dude, I don't give a shit about this game, and then we couldn't Okay, play I think that's a little strong. Um, did you finish it? How far did you get? Like 25 hours. Okay, that's pretty far. I mean, it wasn't like I played it for five hours and shelved it, I and mean, I put some, a significant amount of hours into yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's just fun playing together, and this Nino Kuna we get to play together. I loved upgrading my town. Like, I love upgrading towns. Yeah. It's my jam. Well, well, you get resources from them. I love resources, and like... Pokemon are resources, and that's why I love that game is because like I can slowly build up my wealth, and like that's what I got to do in this game. And like while I was off killing whatever I was grinding on, my city was getting me money, mm. and I could reinvest and make more profit, just like the stock market. Yes. So, I I, I mean. I would have been happy if there wasn't any combat and I could just upgrade my town. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So you kind of shitting on me about Dragon Quest Eleven. I just don't have the JRPG stamina I did back in my, my teens, my, in high school, and even college. It's say your testosterone goes down. That's right. And then you don't have the stamina for JRPGs no, like but you used to. Seriously, though, I, it's tough for me to pump 80 hours into a game like that when... Dragon Quest eight or eleven is, is an amazing game. I love the Dragon Quest series. I've beaten pretty much all of the the DS versions uh, four, five, six, nine, and I have eight and seven on the three DS. But the thing that I loved about Nino Kuni two so much is that there was this thing going on in the background in addition to the story that you were progressing, and that was the the town building. And so yeah. like having that in the background was such a fun thing to go back to. And then jump back into the story. Where Dragon Quest Eleven, you're kind of just moving along in this turn-based RPG that's beautiful, the combat's amazing, fun story, really likable characters. But again, it didn't have that one side thing for me to kind of like, oh, I'm kind of like losing interest in this. I can go back over here and do this. Yeah, you know? it was pretty much your only side thing was to grind. Yeah, and I guess, again, I've just lost a lot of patience with that nowadays. Yeah, I mean, like, you're 25 hours in, and you probably haven't even hit the halfway mark. No, not, not even close. you hit, like, the big event? Like, because you're collecting orbs, Because right? the way you originally described this game is it's in, like, thirds. Yeah. And I think I just got, to like, that that end of the one-third mark. Okay, so what just happened? I don't remember that. That was, like, a year ago. <laughs> Did you, like, go up into the world tree, and then there was, like, you got a sword, and then, like, the world blew up? Actually, I... I legitimately think that did happen okay and then the world's on fire and then you're in the second half and then you get to play another 30 hours and then you actually beat the game for the first time and then there's a true boss if you play another 60 hours yeah <laughs> it's like, just a lot holy for me. crap I, 
It took me like a year and a half to beat this game. And that's why I think I'm more likely to finish the Switch version. Because Lauren actually is 25 hours into this. She's actually probably at the same mark I am right now. Oh, cool. On the Switch. I feel like it's, it's a she's game... She's still playing it? Oh, yeah. Cool. She, she surprised me. I didn't think she'd stick with it that long. Yeah, I was going to say, like, JRPGs are a commitment. Yeah. Like, it's like forming a relationship that you eventually have to put down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like... Wow. Dragon Quest Eleven is not a reflection on my marriage. All right? We're still going strong. But... We're at the halfway mark. <laughs> <laughs> the world just exploded. My tolerance levels of Lorne is like a third of like that full meter that's just going to... I'm going to run out. Can't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, especially with this like vegetable-only bullshit. Yeah? Yeah. So... Nino Kuni Nino Kuni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a JRPG. It's a good one. Uh, a lot of fun. The only gripe I would have is you can't change your outfit. Yeah. But, I, I mean, that's fine. It's a small nitpick to an otherwise great game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I, I was more angry that I couldn't change my outfit in Dragon Quest Eleven because there are some outfits that you can actually change your outfit. Yeah. Like, if you have all the same type of outfit together. Mm-hmm. But if you, I don't know, you can change your sword. That's cool. Yeah. You know, Kuni 2 is a great game. game. We'll definitely have to play the first one this year. My number five originally was like number 10, and the more and more I thought about it, just continued to climb. Your number five was your number... Okay. Yeah, it was originally number 10, and it continued to just climb up the list to make it to the number five spot. And honestly, the more, if I thought about it even more, it it very well could have made its way up further. And that's The Walking Dead, the final season. Really? Yeah, so... The Walking Dead Season 1 was one of the best experiences many people had in video games in a long time because it really brought back and revolutionized the point-and-click adventure yeah, and just really strong storytelling in games. And previously, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, you had all of these old-school LucasArts games that uh, were point-and-click adventures. It was like the genre that was just as common as first-person shooters are today. There were a dime a dozen. And then there was this long drought where you really didn't see many of them at all. If you did, they were like little iPad games that were like two bucks. Okay. And then introduced Telltale Games that at the height of its popularity with the TV show, you introduce The Walking Dead. And it's this point and click adventure game where you're playing as this man, Lee, who is this convict that's on his way to jail. You're talking to this police officer. You're kind of walking your way through like what you did. Do you regret it? You know, and whatnot. And then you hit a zombie, and you crash. And then introduce Lee, he escapes. This police officer turns into a zombie. You have no idea what's going on. This outbreak unleashes this crazy zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So Lee tries to make sense of what's going on, kills this cop, walks up to this this house, and there's this little girl in a treehouse. And you embark on this incredible journey that you think to be Lee's, but eventually becomes Clementine. Yeah. Spoiler alert, if you've not played a game that's eight years old, Lee ends up dying at the end of The Walking Dead. And you can either choose to kill him or spare him because he's tied uh, with handcuffs up to the wall. And the first time I played this game on the Xbox 360, I actually let him go because I felt like Clementine shouldn't go into this new world alone having killed her closest friend. Because at this point, when she gets to, I think, Tennessee, she finds out that her parents died. They, They did, in fact, not survive this the start of this apocalypse. Mm -hmm. When this final season came out, I made, I kind of committed myself to playing through the entirety of this series again 
to kind of remind myself of this journey that Clementine had gone on because this was going to be the conclusion to her her story. And when I went through the first season again, I ended up killing Lee because I felt like she needed to not only have that closure, but I think that next step of maturity for her, she needed to know that this is a very cold and dark world at this point, that she needs to be able to defend herself and make those adult decisions, even though she was only she's only like eight or nine or ten yeah. you know, years old. And so that's how you mature. You kill your best friend. <laughs> well, and okay, so you should I, I, I should have clarified that Lee's he got bit. He was going to die. He was going to turn. Yeah, I know. And so I didn't want, I didn't want Lee to have to turn. I wanted Clementine to prevent that because that's what Lee, I think, wanted deep down. Even though he doesn't make that apparent in the dialogue that you hear between the two characters. And so over the course of these various seasons, there was season two where I feel like that's kind of where Clementine really came into her own. She reconnected or refound old characters that were in the first game. And then A New Frontier, which was the third season that no one really was very fond of. I thought season two was just as strong, if not stronger, than season one. A New Frontier kind of introduced you to a new family. And eventually this family, the main character, comes into contact with Clementine. And then you're kind of reconnected with her and how everything plays on the third season. I was actually a tremendous fan of the third season. I thought it only continued to develop, develop Clementine, and I actually fell in love with that new cast of characters that you got introduced to. Well, at the end of that season, she parts ways with these people, and then in season four, Clementine now actually is caring for a young boy. Oh. Because the people in season three got pregnant, they ended up dying, they couldn't care for the young boy, so Clementine just assumed a parenting role. And the journey she goes on in season four very much mirrors what we saw in season one with Lee and Clementine, only now Clementine is caring for this new young boy who is innocent. He doesn't really understand the the world that they currently live in. And so Clementine, just as Lee did for her, kind of has to show him the ropes and that you can trust no one. And what how, how everything plays out at the end of that season is so perfect, especially given how the game was rushed out the door because Telltale got word before the final episode even released that everyone was laid off. And so Skybound Games, who I believe is Robert Kirkman, the the, the author of the comic, mm-hmm. his own video game studio, brought some of those folks back to finish that final episode. And I thought it was as perfect as an ending as I ever could have imagined. I'm not going to say who lives or dies, but it's certainly a closure. I've got closure to Clementine's arc as a character. And it again, this is another game that could have made the number one spot just because I think the storytelling is so perfect especially across all four of those games. Nice. Yeah. So I would implore you to play through... I think I've played the first one. Yeah. I Honestly, I'd recommend you going back through the first season again and then playing through... Just, again, to see that arc full circle. Okay. Yeah. I think you let me borrow... Season one on the 360. Yeah. It'd be really fun since I have them all downloaded on my PS4. Mm-hmm. If you just came over and we just, like... Made decisions. Like, together. you controlled... You had the controller in your hand and I kind of just watched... Because it is very much like you're, this movie's playing out. So if you and I played it together, it would be just as satisfying for me again to see your choices. Because I'm sure they differ from mine. Yeah. No, I remember it being a good game to watch or play through. Um, I think they're remaking one of the Batman Telltale games as well. Oh yeah, so Telltale, they had The Wolf Among Us, which was this this play on fairy tales. It was based on a comic as well. They had Game of Thrones, which you can actually, they pulled it from the store. You can't buy that anymore, which I'm really... 
upset because I wanted to play that. They did a a Borderlands um, point and click. They did Guardians of the Galaxy, and then they also, to your point, did a Batman Telltale. Season Why did they as well. go under? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they were just trying to cater to too many audiences at once and just weren't making enough revenue to. I mean, my I assume obviously yeah. they weren't selling enough copies after the peak of Walking Dead. That only went down from after the first season. Like, I just don't think followers of the first game carried through to subsequent seasons. Is the Walking Dead show still on? Unfortunately. Really? Yeah. Because all the main cast are dead. Rick's gone. He's not dead. Carl's dead. Um, pretty much all the fan favorites are gone. Glenn's gone. Um, Girl's gone. Yeah, Maggie's Glenn. gone. Uh, Michonne's leaving the show. Really? Because all the characters, they're done. They Like, Andy Lincoln, who plays Rick, was like... I can't do the show anymore. Like I'm spending way too much time away from my family. He's at a point in his probably his kids' lives are probably getting into their middle school teenage years. He wants to spend more time with them. Understandably so. He's been doing the show for ten damn years. Like, and the the writers are just milking it. AMC has no clear vision in mind of where they want it to go because it's off the book or off script from the comics, right? It's gone far off script because the comic ended and it ends with a character that's already dead. How did it end? Spoiler alert if you don't want to know, Robert Kirkman kind of had a, he surprised the followers of the comic with kind of this, hey, the comic's done. And so what happened was they had this settlement where everything was kind of fine. Like they had kind of killed all off all of the, the enemies that they had run into over the years and the zombie apocalypse they had gotten um, kind of under wraps, if you will. They were dealing with it appropriately. But then there was this hotshot kid that hated Rick for whatever reason. So he went into Rick's room, shot him in the chest like five times and walked out. The next morning, his son Carl goes into his dad's room and Rick's walking around like a zombie. And Carl, of course, has to put his dad down and kill him. And then he is just beside himself because he lost his father. Rick had created this this new world, a new world that Rick envisioned and he, he carried it out to completion. And so Carl's like just beside himself, weeping. Michonne kind of comforts him at, the, at that time. And then the next comic was the final one. And it was like an extended comic. It was like 100 pages or so. Oh, wow. And it was like 20 years later or something like that. And so Carl was kind of the, at the forefront. I don't know if he was like the mayor or whatever he was. Um, but he had a daughter. And so there was this this book that he had that had been published and circulated throughout the community and throughout probably the the United States, I suppose. And he was reading it to his daughter at the very end. And it was the story of Rick Grimes. Oh, cool. And how he kind of restored hope in humanity in light of this crazy zombie apocalypse. It was a really fitting end. You know, it would have made sense in the the, the, the TV show as well. But now Carl's gone and... Because of a stupid, like, contractual argument or whatever. That, I, I think th- they just fired they him, They just right? fired him. Which, cool. Like... <laughs> That's literally what Robert Kirkman had envisioned for the end of the series, and now it's left up to Hollywood writers to make their own stupid story, and not the person who originated and penned it out um, and created The Walking Dead. Yeah. So, I mean, I stopped watching that show like three three seasons ago, three or four seasons ago. It was ago. stressful. Yeah. I loved it, but yeah, if you get rid of Rick, like that's, I'm out. Yeah. So. I didn't realize he had a really strong accent. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So does Maggie, Lauren Cohen. Yeah, because she was on um, Supernatural. She was, yeah. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Glenn, he's cool. Yep. 
his eyes. Oh, that, that was scene was rough. rough. Yeah. Anyway, number <laughs> Walking Dead, an amazing game. If you've not played Telltale's The Walking Dead, you need to grab it. I mean, the game is just phenomenal. Yeah. Some of the best storytelling in video games, and as we know, folks, Rusty doesn't give a flying f about story in video games. Yeah. If you actually mention stories, it's a big deal. You've cared. Yeah. So. What was the last game you played that you mentioned stories? Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. Yeah, that was a good one. That it was, Ryan. Yeah. Number four for you. Sekiro, another story. Get out of here with that. <laughs> so I have not beaten this game. I'm, depending on the route I take, I'm maybe 60 to 70% of the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at the the giant ape or the guardian ape, mm-hmm. which is a wall right now. Um, I think I've gotten through his first form, but I died on his second form. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful game. It... I mean, Jedi Fallen Order takes basically rips off the combat of that game. Yeah, um, it's just uh, going back after playing Jedi Fallen Order. Sekiro is so like technically sound compared to like the glitchiness of the Jedi game. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's really rough. Um, but I mean, it's a it's a typical from soft game changing up the formula a bit but the difficulties there the uh the soundness of the gameplay i mean i played neo and that was a lot more grinding but this game was i think the pinnacle of like a ninja game yeah no i agree in many respects i wish i could have gotten on board with the challenge of it all i just i couldn't it was just way too frustrating (laughs) yeah i mean the dark souls games they're frustrating as all hell same with bloodborne but I was able to... Grind your way up. Yeah, exactly. And kind of like, I guess, cheat it, if you will. And I think that's why Miyazaki was just like, no, screw that. I'm going to give you guys a real challenge. Yeah. And apparently, like, once you get down the rhythm of the gameplay, and like, at once you learn the moves of the thing, or of your enemies, it becomes a lot easier than Dark Souls, from what I've heard. But getting um, over that hump is like, darn near yeah. impossible. Yeah, I mean, like, there were a few bosses, there's like this night on a bridge mm-hmm. and I wasn't playing the way the game wants me to play which is like a rhythm game and then the second I changed my thought process to make it a rhythm game where it's like an ebb and flow to the sword combat um, yeah I got way better mm-hmm. um, it's just getting over that like one you can't dodge roll out of everything which is what we're programmed after playing through like three Dark Souls yeah, or Bloodborne Dark Souls 3 in the first one um. Yeah, it, it's a great game. It's game of the year. I understand why it's game of the year. I could see people having problems with it because everyone was pretty frustrated with how difficult it was. But yeah. Yeah. It it was just a great game. No, I mean I'm glad you enjoyed it a lot more than I did because um I think it's safe to say that your love of Dark Souls and FromSoft has surpassed mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm glad. I love seeing you as in love with these games as you are, but. Yeah, Sekiro, I just I couldn't get into it, but I'm glad you were able to experience it enough for it to make it that high in your top games of the year list. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for Elden Ring. Oh, me uh, too. Absolutely. I have no idea what the combat's going to be. I doubt it's going to be Sekiro-esque. Yeah, I don't think so, especially It'll... with the amount of frustration that came from that. I think I hope Miyazaki's kind of like a one-and-done with a game that's like that ridiculous. Hopefully yeah. this comes goes back to like the roots of just Bloodborne and Dark Souls combat. Yeah, it's crazy to think that like 
I don't know, like you can spit out that many good games. Oh, yeah. It's... And they're all like, hey, I want to try this. Bloodborne happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to try this. Sekiro happened. Yeah. I don't know if Bloodborne was game of the year, but I mean... Across multiple publications, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah. I I love this game. I suck compared to our... Uh, Compared to Aiden. Yeah, our friend Aiden. Who's trying... Like, when you... In the game, you can ring a bell and make it harder. He's going through playing it that way, but... Yeah, it's not for me. I hope to eventually beat it next year. Mm-hmm. Give me a year or two. I'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the last boss... I've watched speedruns of this game, and people have done it in, like, 22 minutes. Like, Jeez. the entire game. Yeah. Um, but they're also, like, jumping through walls and swimming around the world. Yeah. Like, they're the glitching out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the last boss has like four phases, and he's just everything from all bosses you've ever learned is in this boss. Jeez, so it's insane. Yeah, we'll see. I might beat it. I might not. Yeah. Well, number four for me. Speaking of from software, Ryan is Dark Souls three. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, this is. Um, I'd have to play this and Bloodborne back to back to see which one's my favorite. Mm-hmm. But. So many memorable boss fights in this game. Just a beautiful world. I think it's a lot more lively than Bloodborne. Bloodborne is just so dark and grotesque. Yeah. And I feel like Dark Souls 3, in, in many respects, can be. But I think the environments can be a little bit more varied. And again, I think all of the games on this list, the, I had the best time with them because you and I played them side by side. Mm-hmm. Not literally side by side. But in tandem with one another. So like we're it's, screaming at the uh, nameless king side by side. <laughs> that was literally, yeah, playing, you know, swapping controller out. But yeah, I mean, just texting you about, because you had already played this game, so you were kind of like master and padwan here, where you were kind of instructing me, like, wait till you get here, take this route. And when I get to a boss and I'd overcome that person or thing or creature, I'd send you a text of like defeated, you know, yeah. and lighting the next bonfire and just like, yes, you know, that sense of accomplishment with these games is really unparalleled in video games for me. I don't think there's anything out there, um, you know, maybe some of these really crazy platformers, the, the last boss in Ukulele in the Impossible Layer, but this, the sense of consistent satisfaction in games is unrivaled yeah. with Dark Souls because you're pitted against all these different monsters and creatures in many cases it's not even a boss it's just a new zone or area that you have to you know trudge your way through but once you get through it it's just again the sense of accomplishment is amazing yeah and then all the weapons also oh yeah like there's so much variability i mean you can do a short sword or like just a regular sword and i mean you can r1 spam your way through it or you can figure out the nuances of magic which you haven't done yet Mm -hmm. which we should do together yeah a mage build together you can do like chuck and lightning at people. There's so many different options in the replayability of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've played through like three or four different characters. Yeah. And it's different and just as fun as the first time I've played it. Yeah. No, I cannot wait to play this game again. It's it's almost like I've had to stop myself from going back to it because there were these other games that came out this year that I wanted to get to. Yeah. You know? uh, but Dark Souls 3 was just an amazing triumph uh, beating it, but also playing it with you. Uh, was just a really good time. So, was that this year? Yeah, it was like March springtime frame. I can go back and look at when I unlocked those trophies, but I totally forgot that we did that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great game. Great. And then one one of my favorite moments was getting to one of the DLC bosses. I think it what it was, and I I went down. And you're like, all right, 
when we go to our favorite uh, dive bar that we go to, yeah. I will literally pay your tab. I don't care what you get. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, are you kidding me? You'll, you'll pay like my whole tab. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's give it a shot. So I'm whacking away at this boss and I'm thinking, man, I got this in the bag. I think you might even sweat a couple bullets because you were like, man, he might actually do this. Yeah. Running out of Estes Flask. My health's being depleted, but so is the enemy. I knock out the enemy and I was like, yes! Like, just so satisfied. It's like, no, phase two of the boss. I'm like, oh shit. So then the dad, like, comes in and just, like, starts dumping fire on me and smacking me in the head with a giant vase. His sister Frida. Yeah. Or Lady Frida. Lady, something like that. Yeah. Something Frida. And then Frida Kahlo, the artist. Yeah. And, Recites. Yeah. And so then. I didn't beat the second phase, and I was just like, oh, man, you were worried there for a second, weren't you? And then I, I said that to you, and you were kind of like, uh, not really. And then we pulled up a video of it, and there's a third freaking phase to this boss. <laughs> yeah. So even if I beat the second phase, I would have gotten wrecked in the third because she, like, disappears and then randomly comes up behind you and sticks you with the, the scythe and then throws you on the ground. And yeah. It's such an intense like, fight. Like, cuts off your head. Yeah. Like, puts the two scythes up and just, like, cuts your head off. Oh, it's such a great game. Uh, makes you want to play that again. Dude, yeah. I could definitely... We have to, early next year, play through that or Bloodborne. Yeah, I'm game. Bloodborne's definitely the more disgusting uh, of the two. It, I guess the the environments are way less... Or have less variability to them. Mm-hmm. But I really like the Renaissance architecture. Oh, absolutely. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and the Lovecraftian, like, disgustiness of, like... The, mer- the moon giving birth to like that nasty spider thing yeah or rom the with all the spiders around oh there. yeah okay rom is a second yeah different boss but but yeah that's just a disgusting one and this one's more of a like normal fantasy game and it's just oh god that's what i'm gonna do this afternoon is go back to dark souls you should make sure you listen to the tarker on podcast though yes great reviews yes, of the last jedi and rise of skywalker uh my number or your number three Yes, my number three is Star Wars. Jedi, Jedi Fallen, Fallen Order. Order. Nice. What's, is that your number three? Because I haven't heard that one yet. No, we're, we got to no? keep going. Okay, okay. Yeah. This one is basically Sekiro meets Star Wars. Meets and, Uncharted, meets Metroid. Yeah, pretty much. It's just a combination of all these games. It's the like unpolished version of all these games, but it's glitchy. And it's better because of it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just... We, I have not cried laughing in such a long time. And we played this side by side for like eight hours straight. Yeah. And like we cried laughing a couple times. Like when the rat shot up or when you were hopping around like freaking out. Yeah. It was just, it was such a good story and what I needed out of a Star Wars game. I agree completely. Um, I mean, EA sucks ass. Mm-hmm. Worst company in the in North America? Was sure. It? Or the world? The universe, Ryan. <laughs> the galaxy. Yeah. In the multiverse, they were ranked the uh, the worst company, I think in North America, or US, mm-hmm. like three years in a row. Yeah. And Disney decides to give them the rights to Star Wars, and we got two shit games. Battlefront 2's coming back. It's Yeah, I'm having some good times with that. The I'm going to also try to go back to that one. Um, but to get a lightsaber game where you're a Jedi... And, like, I was afraid that because you couldn't go to the dark side or use dark side, I wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. Did not even think about the dark side after starting to play this game. No. Yeah, not at all. And, I mean, 
There's so many good story beats in there. The end, if you don't have it spoiled for you, is awesome. I yes. Um, I hate that in the promos they show the ending fight. Yeah, I was. I was like, that's bullshit. That's what Travis told me, and I'm like, why would they do that? I mean, it's it's such a good like. Holy crap, did this just happen? And that's why I wanted to beat it as quick, not as quick as possible. I enjoyed all of it, but like I didn't want the ending spoiled. Yeah, no, because I would have been really frustrated if the, the payoff is so satisfying and it is really kind of like a complete mind F. Like, oh my gosh, this is happening, let's go. Yeah. And then, I mean, just being able to customize your lightsaber, um, getting a double-bladed lightsaber, like I think we were leaving for somewhere and that's the last thing that we did we had to go to, we the concert. Going to a concert yeah yeah and we so we were like okay to. let's explore dothamir real quick let's let's rush through this and then we gotta we gotta shower we gotta get ready to go to this and you know we're making our way through dothamir and we walk up to this station mm-hmm. and bd8 um bd1 gosh now i forget the stupid droid's name i say stupid he's the best droid in all of star wars yeah he's adorable he's great bd1 jumps off of your shoulder onto this little working station and you're kind of like you can't really see clearly what Cal is doing because like the bottom of your lightsaber is like broken off from one of the like which I didn't really notice I guess earlier in the game well I did I went to my station and I added I I changed the way cosmetically that the the hilt of the lightsaber looked and when he holds it up because he always ignites it after you make cosmetic changes to it and I saw that the hilt the bottom of the hilt was busted and I'm like I don't want it to look like that and I went back to the station and tried to work on it. And I'm like, oh, I guess it's just always been like that. Yeah. So when you're in Dothamir and you're at this working station, I think you and I literally like audibly said, oh, I bet we're getting an upgrade to like it's going to be more powerful. Yeah. And he does a little few mechanical things and then he walks away. He ignites it like he usually does. And then he ignites it again, and you and I were just like, oh my god. And just like slow motion, freaking out, yeah, fist bumps. Then we had to go to a concert right after we had this like eureka moment. Yeah. Like the totally opposite side of the spectrum. And I wanted to like, because there are people standing up in front of us, yeah, I were. wanted to lightsaber those people in the neck. You could have just force pushed them off of this. Yeah, stands. but murder <laughs> is not accepted now. But it should have been. Because, I don't know, if you're going to stand up at a sitting concert, you're an asshole. Yes. And, I mean, we were high up in one of the balconies, so... Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it would be a quick death. Yeah. <laughs> but back to Star Wars. Yeah, Ryan. Star Wars. Um, it's a great game. Worth playing. Combat's a lot of fun, and it... You never got into Sekiro, but it's definitely a good toned-down version of that. It allowed you to get that kind of ebb and flow that Sekiro couldn't give you because you were yelling at your screen or that ogre that's right that you can never beat that is correct yeah so I love the game worth playing so absolutely agree my number three is uh the third game in a long-running series that I love called Kingdom Hearts really so Kingdom Hearts reigns in at number three originally when I kind of drafted up my list I think it was like six you know five maybe seven um but, Something within 10? Yeah, but it wasn't as high up as I would have imagined going into the year. You know, if you go back to last year when we did our most anticipated games, number one on my list was Kingdom Hearts 3. Understandably so. I've been waiting for this game for 14 years because I believe Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005. <laughs> and it's crazy to think that Kingdom Hearts came out in 2002, and then three years later we got the second game, and then it was 14 years before we got the third game in the series. Yeah. We've had plenty of spin-off games in between that, which I have liked considerably. 
Um, the 3DS game. The one with the cards. 358 over two days was great. I did not really like Chain of Memories at all on the Game Boy Advance or the PS2. I think that's my favorite one. Remake of that. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> well, I played the crap out of it. I think that was my first interaction with Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Was that one. So I got Sora to level 100, like I maxed out his stuff, and then I got to play as Riku, which is all I really wanted, because he's like a kid who's like 95 years old because he has white hair, <laughs> but I mean, typical JRPG, you can be what have whatever color hair you want, Yeah, and it's natural, I guess, and he's like the buff, like emo version of Sora, and he's got the, like the soul stealing, like soul eater. Keyblade? Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He is, and I think... Riku for president, 2020. He plays a great role in Kingdom Hearts 3. Again, going into this game, my anticipation levels were off the charts. Super hyped, and I think I kind of... I just set myself up for failure with this game. um, Yeah. Because it never could have been everything I wanted it to be. But as I reflect on it more and more, of course, when I first played it, over the moon about it, had a chance to reflect a couple months after the fact, and I likened it to an average hot fudge Sunday. I think I literally titled the episode that, Another Average Hot Fudge Sunday, because it kind of just seemed like, yeah, it was okay, but it wasn't great. A year removed almost from this game, and I look back very very fondly on it because it overhauled the combat to be some of the craziest psychedelic awesomeness with a keyblade. You're riding magical carousels and other Disney amusement park rides to eventually just wreck the holy hell out of Heartless. You Pirates know? of the Caribbean was amazing. Oh my gosh. One of the best, probably the best world in all of Kingdom Hearts games for me. Riding on that ship was just one of the most addicting things. And gosh, can we talk about the graphics in that level? The water effects, the island, just the general um, uh, draw distances in that level were just phenomenal. Yeah. And then going on to the different islands and collecting all the different treasures and stuff like that was just amazing. The Tangled World was beautiful. Revisiting Olympus Coliseum was fine, but the world was in ruins because all the the titans were destroying it, so that was what it was, but running on the walls was a good time. Being freaking reunited with Donald and Goofy, getting back to the roots of what made Kingdom Hearts great, was going on this grand adventure with those two characters. And all this other side crap, like in Dream Drop Distance, the game was fine, but I had like these freaking little furry bunnies that I was petting. I felt like I was playing Pokemon Sword and Shield with <laughs> these nasty looking like little colorful. Is it the one with balloon animals? Yeah, it's like what 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 are we doing here? Why am I playing with little? Balloons? I mean, they played a key point or like plot. Oh, just pivotal and pivotal, <laughs> just driving. I mean, I the remember when home. the pinatas took over the world. Yeah. Good times. Wasn't it part of like becoming a keyblade wielder? Was yeah, like, it was the mark of mastery exam. Yeah. To become the true keyblade keyblade wielder. <laughs> Sora failed. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um but no, I mean the the Big Hero Six World, Toy Story, my goodness. One Toy of my, Story was amazing. One of my favorite movies growing up, and of course, as you would expect in Kingdom Hearts games, when you go into these different worlds, you kind of become part of that universe. So Back in the, the the Little Mermaid world, you actually became like a merman. Monsters Inc., you became a monster? Yeah, and then in, in Toy Story, you become a toy. And walking in Andy's room and hearing the signature Randy Newman Toy Story theme playing was just, I was overwhelmed with nostalgia. 
and yeah. it was just made me feel like a kid again. Like f- fighting on the front lawn was great. Yeah. And then going through the toy store was amazing with those like cyborg robot things. And then getting to, you know, control these different um, mechs. mech suits was amazing. I mean, I look back. It was back, like Titanfall in Toy Story. Yeah. It was incredible. And I look back and there's just so many things that I could say about this game that were phenomenal. And if I think about the negative, I don't really have a whole lot to say. I mean, if my biggest complaint is it didn't it didn't tell a great story, well, I don't really care because I don't even know what's going on in the Kingdom, story, Kingdom Hearts story anyways. And I think Kingdom Hearts is at its best when it's focusing on you, Donald, and Goofy interacting with other Disney characters in their worlds. Mm-hmm. And fighting the villains that we've, like Maleficent or Pete or Hades or these these villains that are just inherent to the the Disney movies themselves. I don't need to know about Organization 13 and Xehanort and... Well, Xehanort and his like 30 forms and like the people he's sacrificing. Young Xehanort, old Xehanort, adolescent Xehanort, <laughs> prepubescent Xehanort. I don't fucking care. Like, give me Hades, give me Maleficent, give me more Disney, throw in some Final Fantasy stuff. That's all I ever wanted from Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And that's what I got in this game. Did you ever go back and replay it, like make a new save? I've come really close. Okay. I haven't yet, though. Um, I thought about doing so to kind of polish off my thoughts for, for this episode, but I, I almost didn't even need to. You know, I, I just kind of thought back, and I didn't want my... My, my impressions to be stained necessarily. I kind of want to just be able to think back about the game I played in late January, early February. And I, I wanted those to be my impressions. Okay. You know, I kind of didn't want to play it again to kind of, yeah, in any way ob- obstruct my initial impressions. Okay. Yeah, and gummy ships were amazing. That too? This one. I actually cared about getting in the gummy ship, which is a big freaking deal considering it was garbage in the first two games. Yeah, you hated that. So I, I went back and I can I'm not gonna beat it on the hardest difficulty like the ultra like you hate yourself yeah mode critical yeah I tried and I got to that first boss like to teach you how to kill bosses and got destroyed I was like this isn't even fun so there's like hard mode I think proud so proud yeah yeah so I went back and I made it to Pirates of the Caribbean okay so I played through most of the game yeah and I think that's how I. I'd still find enjoyment from it. Like, people who played Kingdom Hearts on Critical back in the day for one or two, like, so help me beating Sephiroth on Critical mode. I hardly beat him on Standard mode, let alone on Critical. Like, I'm at a point in my life where I find no enjoyment in playing a game on a, on a more challenging difficulty because it, in any way, it brings down the experience for me. That's why in Jedi Fallen Order, later in the game, I just put the difficulty down. Because I'm like, one, there's no trophy to reward me for beating this game on the hardest difficulty. Yeah. So why am I going to frustrate myself? It's literally causing me to dislike the game by doing so. So just put on easier difficulty, enjoy the story, swing your freaking lightsaber like a, the Jedi Master that you are, and just enjoy it. And that's how I am with Kingdom Hearts. Like I've never had a desire to go back and play those games on Critical because I have just such a fondness for the games as they are. Yeah. And I'm even proud mode, it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't bring down. it. I mean, after playing through it the first time, you kind of understand the controls and everything. Yeah. So, still a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a good game. Comes in at number three for me. I'm looking forward to playing, playing it again and also the DLC in January. Yeah. Which, 
bringing Final Fantasy back. Yeah, should be good times. Ryan, number two, man. My number two is Spider-Man. Oh, excellent choice. Yeah. We talked about this earlier. It is a great game. If you haven't played it, play it. It's it's just everything you want from a Spider-Man game, and it sets up a sequel that has to come. Mm-hmm. I, I want another one. Did you play the DLC yet? No, I didn't. Wait, th- there's like a white-haired girl Something like DLC. that. No, I still have the three DLCs to play. Okay. Yeah, I think you were very much like me where you were kind of burnt out w- with it. And you didn't want to to sour your like your love of the game by going right into the DLC, and that's kind of where I'm at with Horizon right now. Yeah. I did finish the game. I don't really want to go into the Frozen Wilds because I think it would just lessen my enjoyment overall. Yeah, I mean, so I got Horizon when it first came out, and then I waited for the DLC to come out eventually. So it was like the same way that Monster Hunter. I had like three years to relax or yeah. like a year. So yeah, definitely. I'll go back and play that. I I got to the point with the like robot team or the cyborg villains, mm-hmm, yeah. like clearing those bases where like it was frustrating to me because yeah. those bases are hard to clear. They were they were tough. Um, so I'll eventually clear the clear the map. Um, I loved all the collectibles and just the progression of everything, and then freaking Doc Ock's like anti-ox suit looks amazing mm-hmm. it's just that black suit with like a yellow spider on it yeah yeah i mean i ran through the game as like a glowing skeleton face spider-man mm-hmm. and it made all the cutscenes with uh mary jane really awkward hilarious and weird. like i think you go in for a kiss or something like that and like i have a skull i'm just a skull well that's one of the unique things about the game too that we didn't really speak to is that no matter the suit you're wearing that's the suit you see in cutscenes. Yeah. And it in no way disrupts your the the other characters' interactions with you. So even if you are wearing this crazy skeleton costume, Mary Jane never acknowledges Addresses that. it. Yeah. Like or you're like you can sit on the subway and like subway across like fast travel almost. Yeah. And it's just me in a skeleton costume and like just chilling on my phone with just my skull out on fire. Yeah. So yeah, it was a great game. The swinging, like technically, it was great. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. It make it gives me hope for like an Iron Man game. Mm-hmm. How like flying around a city, like Anthem, if it wasn't shit. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, Spider Man, great game, worth playing. Did Absolutely. that one win awards? Oh yeah, I was think that so. game the what was uh, God of War? I think was yeah, that game. came out last year, so you couldn't really compete with God of War. Yeah, so. My number two, Ryan, is Ukulele and the Impossible Air. Wow. Um, I, Besides the last boss. Yeah. And again, I kind of just removed that from um, it, when you know the discussion for ranking my, my top 10 games just because it wasn't worth it. Because if, if I allowed that final boss to sour my love of what it isn't, what's an otherwise perfect 2D platformer for me personally, it probably would not have been in the top five. Because... Yep. That was so incredibly infuriating, trying to finish that final boss. And when I thought I made a significant run, it takes you back to the, the hub world, and it tells you progress made on the final level. It was like 23%. And it was like 20-something percent. And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a no for me, bud. Like, I, I'm not going to sit through this. I wonder what their thought process was. Well, and the, the, the really frustrating thing with it is that no level... And the entirety of the game leading up to that final boss comes remotely close 
to being that challenging. Mm-mm. Like nothing, nothing even gave you a glimmer of light into what could possibly be the final level and the level of challenge that it would have that you would have faced. It doesn't even seem like a kid's game or an adult game. Like you know, I mean, the, the platformers, like all the other ones, you can add like more checkpoints and things. Can you add more checkpoints to the final level? Like using those add-ons? Uh, Do those affect the final No, level? so there's no checkpoints in this. It's like when you lose a bee, like if you fall off the ledge, a bee will pick you up and take you back so to the So basically like the everything ledge. the game's taught you up until the final level, it discards at the final level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to you know spend too much time talking about the, the one negative thing about this game because everything else, to me personally, is perfect. Yeah, you know, it's, it's gorgeous. Everyone knows my love of the original ukulele, despite both critic and you know fans or just the public not liking it and saying it was a garbage um, reimagining of Banjo Kazooie. It doesn't hold a candle to Banjo Kazooie. Has no business being made. Stop. Okay. It had a fraction of the original team. It was funded through Kickstarter. It was never gonna be the next Banjo Kazooie. I thought they did more than an admirable admirable job creating a 3D platformer for today's audiences with so many throwbacks to Banjo-Kazooie, Donkey Kong 64, old school 3D platformers. Loved it. Got the platinum trophy. Introduced this 2.5D platformer where I was kind of like, it's more ukulele. I never thought we were going to get another ukulele game, so this is great news. The more I, I saw of the game, more footage, more trailers, I was like... Yeah, I'm really, I'm really digging this. This is gonna be good. And then when I finally got the game, I never would have thought I would have fallen in love with this 2D platformer as much as I did. It's such a throwback and callback to old school Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. The music with the ambient, you know, tunes that you hear in the game is an absolute throwback to the game. Running through these 2D, uh, these 2D levels. If you want to, you can speedrun them and get through them really fast yeah. and kind of like time your button jumps or your jumps perfectly and just boom, 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 just zoom your way through the levels. But it definitely rewards you for exploring these 2D environments, collecting coins, collecting... You collect letters or something, right? I haven't played this game in like a month and I'm already forgetting somehow. But there's collectibles within each of the levels coins. That, that extend and reward you for coming back. A lot of replay value in the game. And each level has two variations. So one might be a tropical, on-the-beach type location. The variation to that, it might be like frozen over, you know? So there's 40-odd platforming levels in addition to this overworld that you can explore. So you're exploring this overworld, and you eventually go into these books, which act as the levels themselves. I had more fun exploring the overworld at times than I did going into the actual levels and doing the two the 2D platforming. Yeah. And then you have these different tonics. There's like 40 something tonics that you can do or use to change the way the levels play out. So you can have different skins in the levels to make it look like an old school Game Boy game. The resolution's crap. It's obscured, it's black and white, and it looks like an old school Game Boy game. Yeah. Some of these things that are just so inventive and creative that I just hope the game gets more attention than I feel it is getting, and I hope the final level isn't souring people's love of the game um, as much as it probably should, because it's BS. Yeah. So. No, I had a lot of fun with it. I came over, and you were showing me that level where the laser's following you, Mm -hmm. and, like, picking it up and, like, 
getting jumps on the beat so you're actually like flying through the level feels so satisfying it's like you're playing a rhythm game yeah you know it's like Sekiro yeah I mean yeah exactly it's it's once you once it clicks it feels good and watching you who has played that level like a million times Mm -hmm. you were just speeding through it I'm like how the hell yeah like I think yeah it was just a lot of fun yeah, if you're so. a fan of old-school Donkey Kong Country games or even the new Rayman Origins and Legends games, don't overlook this game. It's it's a brilliant 2D platformer that's such a callback to the DKC games. The soundtrack's phenomenal. I think it's a must-play for 2019. It's probably on sale now, right? Yeah. It's, it, been out, it's been out a while. You can probably get it on sale in the eShop. And even if it, you're not buying it on sale, it's 30 bucks. Like, this oh, didn't come out it? at $59.99. Yeah. So... I mean, seriously, you owe it yourself to yourself. For yourselves. some reason, I was thinking it was sixty, but yeah, thirty game. bucks. Definitely give money to the developers. Absolutely, Playtonic Games. I hope, I hope we get another three D ukulele platformer. Yeah. You know, as we were climbing this list, I'm thinking like, what the heck is his number one? And then I was like, it's the game he's been talking about every episode for the <laughs> yeah, past three months. Ruby version. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That could easily be my number one. Monster Hunter Iceborne. Yeah. It has to be. Yes, it is. Yeah. So Iceborne is my number one. I did not expect DLC. Mm -hmm. I played about 205 hours in the base game. I I had never played a Monster Hunter before this, and this was my first experience. Like, seeing... Just seeing the commercials, I was so surprised on... I mean, because they'd previously only been on handhelds. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was kind of pushed away from the game well it was on the ps2 as well but no one played that game yeah well because i had watched rick and ben played on their ds's Mm -hmm. back in college and like grind out this like g rank monsters and i'm like what the hell is this and like every time they go into like a different portion of the map they'd have to go through a loading screen and i was like that doesn't sound fun Mm -hmm. so when i saw the commercials for this where the entire environment's pre-loaded and like it's all interactive. There's just dinosaurs and shit walking around. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And the base game was amazing. Played through it with Rick and Ben, like online, and it was a ton of fun. Made my outfits. I was the best. Yeah. I got the best version of me out there in the world. And like the gameplay loop is so well done. Like, the idea that you can grind up these monsters that you kill to improve yourself, like, wearing these cool, like, ridiculous JRPG outfits, Mm -hmm. and then go back and make it easier for the next kill, and then grind out decorations to improve yourself. The loop is so well done, and it just, it makes you just want to hop back in. Yeah. So, when I heard that there was, I'm trying to think... I think this came out the same time Borderlands 3 came out. It did. Yeah, it was like the same week. Yeah, so I was like, I didn't realize, like, I wasn't going to get it because I was playing Borderlands 3. And then Ben said he got it. Instead of Borderlands 3. Yeah, and I was like, okay, if Ben's dropping Borderlands 3, which he's been waiting for, because he played the heck out of... I mean, this is a man who platinum trophied Borderlands 1 and 2. Yeah. And he had played through 1 and 2 again... Because they just put him into the store. Yeah, the Handsome has, Jack collection. Yeah. To prepare himself. And then he got Iceborne, which is basically G-Rank, which is the harder, like, I don't know, the harder version. And his main complaint coming from the older games was the base game's not that hard mm-hmm. compared to G-Rank. 
and this really steps up the difficulty and this is exactly what he wanted from the monster hunter game i was like okay i'll give it a try and i hopped in it's this icy environment and i think there's like 20 new creatures and it's just oh, it's so good like it's <laughs> oh i think i looked i'm at my character is 380 hours in right now i think that's the amount of time you spent talking about the game on the podcast too Pro- like probably yeah yeah it's oh, it's so good like they just keep adding i think it's the two-year anniversary because i think it came out in january two years of ago. last year yeah so they're having a two-year celebration um this january i i'm surprised i can't believe it's been out for two years mm-hmm. and i'm excited for the next monster hunter world 2 when it eventually comes out but they're still adding monsters to this one mm-hmm. and capcom does such a good job of like i was happy to give them the 40 bucks for iceborne because i mean there's cosmetic stuff that you can buy but it's the main loop has nothing with microtransactions yeah. like if you want to dance around like i think you can do breakdancing is one of the emotes mm-hmm. you pay like two or three bucks and get that but like you don't have to pay except for the $60 or whatever it is just to get the game. Yeah. So like the lack of microtransactions, them actually caring about these games and like if you, they do the same kind of Nintendo Direct as for Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. It's the typical like excited Japanese dude talking about <laughs> monsters yeah. and like the cheesy like I'm going to clap my hands and we're going to go into a green screen background. Yeah. It's just it's just so good. I, I've talked about it so much. Yeah, you have, but I'm, it's as much as I rag on you about talking about the game, it is fun hearing and seeing you get so excited about a game. Yeah, and they just added um, Xenojiva, who was my favorite person from the base game. Mm-hmm. He's like these weird energy. He's like a space kind of dragon. Um, Safi Jiva is his adult form, so basically he sheds his... Like kind of like a snake, he sheds and kind of molts mm-hmm. over time, and it's a new kind of boss raid. So nice. they re- released that a couple weeks ago. Um, it'll be out. I think they take it out of the game in January, mm-hmm. and then it'll be in and out throughout the next couple months. But ton of new weapons from that guy. They're all beautiful. They have the Eye of Sauron on them. Yeah, they do. It's just oh, it's such a good game. I, I wish we could have played that at the same time. Yeah, I agree. And it, it is a game I know I've told you a million times I do want to play. And I, I, I do, in fact. I'm not just BSing you. It looks like a game that I would genuinely fall in love with. I just, I don't know. I just haven't been necessarily in the mood for that. When you get in the mood, call me and I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. To be in the mood with you. Yeah. No, I'm sure I will fall in love with it when I do eventually play it. I mean, one of the most compelling reasons to go back to that game is the Palicos, your little cat friends. Yeah. I mean, freaking, there's a snowman Palico right now. Yeah. And there's like, because it's New Year's time, they have a dragon and like they're, the environments all, or there's like a gathering hub. It's all decked out in New Year's stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, no, I'll, I will play Monster Hunter World eventually. I definitely yeah. will. And I, so basically, your base character starts at the same, and everything changes based off your armor. Okay. So I can easily take off. I can use my same armor. I just won't get hurt. But I can change out my weapon, which is the way you change out the amount of damage. Mm-hmm. I'll just do a base weapon, and that way I don't kill the monsters. Yeah. 
like in two minutes because I can kill base game elder dragons in like two minutes. Okay. Yeah, we so. will definitely play that game hopefully in 2020 together. Nice. I'm excited. My number one game, Ryan, is something that I didn't even want to buy. And then we proceeded to play it for eight hours straight on the couch <laughs> yeah. together. And that's Star I'm, Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I'm glad this is your number one. You know, it's been a long time since I've gotten genuinely excited for a Star Wars game, Star Wars game because of EA. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what they did to Battlefront was an absolute travesty back in 2014 or 13, whenever that they revived that series because Battlefront was our childhood. Yes. We loved the first game and the second game because of Moss Eisley specifically being able to pit heroes versus villains, run around as Anakin Skywalker, run around as Luke, Boba, Jango, Chewie, Han Solo, Leia, all these different characters that we loved. And to be able to have this giant arena just whacking each other with lightsabers or shooting each other with bombs as Jango Fett, we just adored those two games. And so when we, when we were getting this revival of Battle, Battlefront, EA took a hot steamy crap on it twice, yeah. right? They did it two times. I mean, they had, like, governments, like, looking at gambling laws because of the second release. Yeah, I mean, it it was... We have Congress looking at bills because of the second game. It's like, how bad do you fuck up? (laughs) Literally criminal, what they did to that series. So, obviously, I had zero hope going into Jedi Fallen Order because I I don't remember there being a strong marketing push behind the game. There, people were comparing it to like when initial publications like Game Informer were writing about it. They were like, it honestly has a Dark Souls feel. I was like, okay, well, you're being paid to say stuff like that, so I'm not really buying in yet. And then the week of its release, I think it came out the same week as Pokemon. Mm-hmm. You were like, yeah, I did a thing last night, and I, I pre-ordered Jedi <laughs> Fallen Order. Yeah, like I potentially made a mistake. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, I think you probably did, bud. And then uh, Saturday rolls around, and you're like, mm, before we record, you need to play this game. And I was like, Ryan, I, I really don't. I, I kind of just prefer to have my own impressions on uh, at a later time. And you're like, no, seriously, I'm coming over. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So you come over to our place, and you bring this game. We pop it in, and I think I blinked once or twice, and seven hours went by. The game, yeah, we, we didn't record. <laughs> the game is, <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> the game was amazing. It has no right or business being as good as it is. Fell in love with the story. The protagonist is great. Love that it was set after Order 66 was executed in Revenge of the Sith, and you actually get to see all that come to fruition in your character's backstory, which was amazing. Getting the different lightsaber uh, cosmetic upgrades were phenomenal and just mind-boggling when you got your double-edged lightsaber. The final moments of the game are also completely mind-boggling and amazing and just tug at all your nostalgic heartstrings of Star Wars. Yeah, It was just such a brilliant game. And again, as we talked about for, with Nino Kuni 2 and Dark Souls 3, it was playing this game with you, and to your point earlier in the show, literally crying. We were laughing so hard. I mean, there were moments because of these glitches in the game that we were crying that were not game-breaking. They just fueled our love of this game. Yeah, and I don't think I would have liked a polished version. Like, I think the glitchiness of some of it makes it hilarious. Oh, absolutely. Like, falling out of the map usually would piss you off, but you're like... Yes. Yeah. That like, was awesome. Whatever, you know? You know, the respawn checkpoints are or pretty like forgiving. That, so that angry, like, I don't know, goat thing that got stuck in the floor. And yeah, it charged like... at me. And at this point, we were playing at a harder difficulty. So we actually had to, like, pay attention and do good, if you will. And he starts charging and then just, just like, sinks into the ground. And he keeps, like, running at me. And I'm just like, um, 
okay. And I just like whack him a few times and he <laughs> that dies. That was the only reason we beat that coach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, just the moments in this game were priceless. I mean, yeah. you, you couldn't put a price on the laughter that we shared with this game. And even just playing it solo after you left and going through the game was just an incredible experience. And I can't think of a game that... Um, I mean, there's nine other games in this list that I had great moments, but Jedi Fallen Order absolutely takes the cake this year. Yeah, no, it was, it was so fun. And if people don't want to buy in at sixty price or sixty dollar price tag, wait till it's like forty bucks. But I think this game is absolutely deserving of sixty dollars. Yeah, I think so too. And the reason I was willing to pay for it sixty bucks is one, EA keeps saying that single player are dead, mm-hmm. right? And giving them money. And making this game successful by people buying it and it getting good, I don't know, media coverage mm-hmm. is basically shitting on EA, which makes me, I don't care if the game was good or not. I just wanted to shit on EA. Yeah. And this way I can do it. What? And I'm paying money to them to show them, to incentivize them to do this again. Because I think uh, Respawn is hiring three new... There was like some job listings, and mm-hmm. it looks like they're either doing DLC or they're working a second one. I would love for DLC, but like, yeah, to your point, it's it's letting them know that single-player games are very much alive. Yeah. And they will be for the very foreseeable future. Yeah, and hopefully they actually learn from this. I mean, yeah, it's just a big F you to EA. Yeah. Like, the one thing that they say was dead is the thing that's they're successful. Yeah, exactly. Star Wars launch, so. Loved it. Definitely takes the cake. Number one game of the year. Nice. Overall, I think a great year for gaming, Ryan. Yeah, definitely. We will do our most anticipated games for next year, 2020. We'll record that episode next week. Okay. And then after that, we still have to do our top 10 games of the decade. We'll probably do that like mid to late January. Okay. That's my guess. We actually are sitting on like three or four different emails from folks writing in with their games of the decade. So it should make for a very listener-centric episode. Ryan, we got one lone email this week from senior executive producer of the show, Mr. Travis. And uh, he wrote in with some of his favorite gaming memories of 2019. He titles the email, 2019 in Gaming. If you want to write in the show, you can write in at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Could be about games of the decade, suggestions for show topics, whatever you want to send us, anything that makes the show better. So Travis, he writes in, he says, Hiya, gents. It's been a great and varied year for gaming. I've played more titles this year than I have in probably the three preceding years. Nice. Grabbing a PS4 last January helped that. From what I can remember, I've sunk hours into the following. Marvel's Spider-Man, Uncharted 4, God of War 4, Shadow of Mordor and War, Infamous Second Son, Sonic Mania, Untitled Goose Game, Luigi's Mansion 3, Ukulele the Impossible Lair, and SteamWorld Dig. There's so Who's much to- the Goose Game? Was it the, the one that gooses chase people? Yeah. Okay. All the Is goo- that on PS4? The goose antics. Uh, yeah, it actually was just put on PS4, I think, maybe this past week. It was originally, I think, exclusive to Switch. See, I saw people decorating the top of their Christmas trees with a goose stealing a star. I so, could get on board with that. Yeah. It's uh, taken the United States by storm. The geese need more respect, Ryan. They do. There's so much to consider in ranking a top 10, Travis goes on, so I won't. I'll just comment (laughs) briefly on my top three. Number three, Untitled Goose Game truly demonstrates how indie ingenuity... I don't even know how to pronounce that word, Ryan. Ingenuity. Ingenuity? Ingenuity. There it is. Thank you. I I needed someone who uh, knows the English language on here. Yeah. I just can't utilize it today. 
uh, Ingenuity can shine. It's a super quick game. Really simple mechanics, not a lot of changes over the course of the playthrough, but lordy, is it fun to just be an asshole goose. <laughs> I also played it with my yeah. daughter, so points for that. Number two, Marvel Spider-Man. The most genuine fun I've had, I've ever had playing a video game. Ryan and I spoke very highly of it as well, Travis. We agree. Number one, God of War 4. Truly epic, truly gratifying, amazing. Yeah. It's enough to make me hope I have enough time and cash flow to play the eventual fifth on PS5. Yeah, me too. It's, I mean, with the end cutscene after you beat the game, the sequel is going to be amazing. Yeah. A game you need to play that next year. On my bucket list for 2020 for sure. This year I've also begun, but haven't really played much, of Horizon Zero Dawn. The Last of Us, Blasphemous, and Fire Emblem Three Houses. In 2020, I definitely want to get back to Last of Us, Bloodborne, and Fire Emblem. Unfortunately, I just did not end up clicking with Horizon Zero Dawn after trying to pick it up a few different times. I love the world and some of the gameplay mechanics, but overall the core of its gameplay just isn't my cup of tea. It really bores me at this time. Um, or he just said it really bores me at this time. Also, Blasphemous started to feel to me more like something trying very hard to be dark and gritty and difficult, What's but, Blasphemous? but in all the wrong ways. That's that almost Castlevania Symphony of the Night type game. He Travis wrote in probably a couple months back. Is uh, it like really pixely one that's like old school? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said, it's trying to be very dark and gritty and difficult, but all in all of the wrong ways. It's not this quote, it's not quote, this new enemy type is hard, difficult, similar to the Soulsborne games. It's, hey, here's a random one hit kill spike scattered around difficult. Oh, uh, that's annoying. Definitely doesn't sound like my cup of tea. He said, oh, here we go, Ryan. Also, apologies, but just so my hat is officially in the ring on this one, Rise of Skywalker was a dumpster fire that only served to make me better appreciate The Last Jedi. It's easily the most disappointing film experience I've ever had, but that's all I will say here. I'd take way too much time. That's probably the most hyperbolic statement I've ever heard. Mr. Executive Producer, you've been demoted. I don't know. If The Rise of Skywalker was bad it was teed up by the shittiness that was The Last Jedi and the cuckiness of Ryan Johnson and his direction. Visually, The Last Jedi was good in some of the scenes with like uh, Kylo Ren and Luke fighting on the battlefield. Great was awesome, but the overall plot was just shit, in my opinion. I, I, It's so hard to go back and watch it. And Rise of Skywalker could have been so much better to your point, if The Last Jedi had a plot that could, was cohesive to The Force Awakens and... Transitioned well into... Yeah, they just dropped the ball in every possible way. And, like, sure, a chase scene could be cool, but this one wasn't. Like, it could have been done so much better. And One of the biggest things... I mean, again, it, plot holes, you can pick apart any movie that you want to. But I, I feel like in the, the Last Jedi, they could have just... Star Destroyered their ship, but they had like these these shields that were like losing energy and they were getting to go down. So then they had the transport ships go, and then you know Vice Admiral Holdo does her her thing. Um, but again, Ryan and I were talking about this off air. I felt like they could have just brought in another ship to just wipe away their shields faster and just destroy them, right? Yeah, just speed up. Like, what are you going to do? You have shields as well. If they shoot at you, I don't know. And it- and perhaps the most memorable scene when I first saw it. Um, really made me fall in love with The Last Jedi uh, upon first viewing was the throne room scene. I thought 
you have this incredible set that's just dark red, Snoke sitting upon his throne in these gold garbs, just a menacing villain, at least up to this point. And Kylo, very much reminiscent of Vader taking Luke to Darth Sidious, Kylo is bringing Rey to Snoke. This really great scene. And, and also, I know Travis had a lot of gripes, and many people do with the whole Raylo thing and thinks it's it's just bullshit. The whole right. fucking movie in Last Jedi is teeing up a romance between the two of them. Like, if you don't think that they there's sexual tension there that's being teed up and played upon yeah, the whole the, movie. I mean, yeah, the first one, Force Awakens, there was no sexual tension. Because they didn't know who he didn't know he did not know who she was. Yeah, Snoke's was just, just like bring me the scavenger, and he's just like, all right, I'm gonna listen to my master and bring this random. Then chick. it was in Ryan Johnson's movie where it's like, hey, let's have a wet like shirtless scene. Put your clothes on. Yeah, it's like, God, really? Like, like if we're gonna complain about spoilers, I guess we're kind of spoiling Rise of Skywalker. But if you haven't seen it at this point, well, I'm eh. sorry. If if you're not okay. If you think Last Jedi is a potential 10 out of 10 movie, but then what completely ruined Rise of Skywalker for many people is this Raylo connection that they have and a kiss that's shared, then w- what about all the stuff in Last Jedi with them holding hands and... Yeah, I mean, I didn't like the kiss of Raylo, and I'm glad he died as a result of this kiss mm-hmm. because she has poisonous venom fangs. And, like, he poisoned her. I think he used all of his energy reviving her is what that was supposed to be reflection of. Yeah, or her mouth is, like, an iguana, and he just, it's full of bacteria that killed him. That is also a potential. And, like, the acting in his death could have been a little better, but, like, it's all teed up with that sexual tension, like you were saying, because of Last Jedi. What's really baffling to me is, and what I don't understand, is that they think that his turn to the light side is... And his kiss with Ray is just a complete and utter surprise. It's like, if you think it's a complete and utter surprise, you never paid attention in The Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean, like, they had a bunch of Skype calls. Like, they're basically predating yeah. The Last Jedi. I don't know. Like, he got her wet with, like, the rain planet. And, like, t- t- yeah, they were basically Skype calling. And then they had face-to-face, and then they're clashing swords, which is... When she turns like around the elevator and is like, Ben, come back. Like, you know, and she's pleading for him to come back to the dark side, or the light side, before he hands her over to Snoke. Like, they very well could have kissed in that elevator, and it would have, like, seemed to make sense, given every all the discussions that had they had leading up to that moment earlier in the film. Yeah, I, I have to see the Rise of Skywalker again to see what I like or don't like, um... I mean, one viewing isn't enough. And I think The Last Jedi, or, yeah, The Last Jedi, I saw, like, five or six times. And the first time I was confused, second time I tried to defend it, and then, like, by the third or fourth time, I was like, "Ah, it's not good. So we'll see on subsequent viewings of Rise of Skywalker if it holds up to, like, 7, 5, 8, where it is currently. Yeah. And I, and I applaud Ryan Johnson with what he did with the throne room scene because and this is what I was getting at earlier when I was leading up and describing all the events that took place before it was, you know, you have all these Praetorian guards surrounding Snoke. And so obviously um, if they're guarding one particular character and that character is killed, they're going to come after the person that kills him, which Kylo and Rey are, go back to back and they start fighting these Praetorian guards. Literally one of the, if, if Travis is going to make a statement that 
The Last Jedi, or The Rise of Skywalker's easily the most disappointing film experience I've ever had. I want to make, if you want some hyperbole, that scene is the most unchoreographed action scene in all of filmmaking. Specifically by the two main characters. The, the stunt Praetorian guards were great. They were on their cues. Except, like, why the fuck are people spinning around in the background? Like, what does that actually do? Like, it looks interesting, but, like... Why is that one dude with the dual blades like spinning around like trying And then when he has the chance to actually stab Ray in the back, when they cut back to him, the blade disappeared and so that Ray can just naturally beat him. Or like they're going to hit him and like the blade goes over his head. It makes me like the prequels more. The, well the choreography in general in this movie is just bizarre. I mean when Ray is quote unquote training on Octu with Luke, Luke's not even training her, he's just off in the distance staring at her, and she has this giant boulder in front of her, and she's swinging the lightsaber as if she's has her she's blindfolded and trying to hit a fucking pinata like she's just hopelessly swinging around like a baseball bat like boom boom I mean boom. it took you a while but there's you no eventually cuz you there's no form to it it's just like what are you doing see yeah i and then she hits the rock and she's like oh i'm just glad she finally got a training scene that she's not overpowered for overpowered like scene. a genuine training scene when like, she's let's with like run Leia. around and Kind of do what Luke did. I have this training droid that's like shooting at me, and I have to deflect the bullets like a, you naturally would. Like like Luke did literally in A New Hope with Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't defend The Last Jedi. It, It's not good, at, in my opinion. But, sorry, we shit on Travis's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Travis. It's, it's okay to be wrong. Like... <laughs> <laughs> No, I, it's it's okay to have opinions, and that's that's what this is all about. And again, I, I'd implore people to get in on the Discord if you are a huge fan of Last Jedi, or if you're not, respectfully back up your opinion. Why do you think the Last Jedi is a is a near perfect movie? Like, I, I want to know. Like, I don't think you're going to dissuade me at this point because I, I feel pretty confident in where I'm at in my opinion of that film at this point. I don't know. The, the Last Jedi had so much like hidden sjw shit and i'm like i don't i don't care about political views i'm here to watch lightsabers and lasers and just weird fucking aliens and like see baby yoda and the mandalorian and the mandalorian's great and baby yoda's great and he's hot <laughs> and he's like 50 well i mean it's just never was just a dilf yeah <laughs> no i mean like i don't care like just I've never gone to Star Wars to have politically political stuff just injected into it. Yeah. I don't care about political opinions when I'm watching a movie. Like, that's the reason we get away or... We escape reality. As we go into these movies and we're in a galaxy far, far away with our favorite Star Wars characters. Or play video games. It's because we don't give a shit for that specific time or 300 or 950 hours playing Pokemon. Do you think I care about impeachment? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get shiny monsters, which improves my actual life. Zilch. Yeah. But whatever. You know what? It's cool. No, I mean, I would Still love for, for more people to get in on the Discord and actually write in to, to hear your thoughts about The Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi, this whole you know sequel trilogy. What are your thoughts on it? I, I've heard a little bit from Josh, Frantic Thoughts Podcast. Alec, Chronolink91, and Zach, who record the Tarkaron podcast, they shared their thoughts. And so far, it's been pretty overwhelmingly positive about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, do you um, guys support the Yellow Vest movement in France? 
let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think the retirement age is good or should it be raised? What are your thoughts on the current healthcare system? Yeah, please. Is the ACA good or bad? Should we kick millions off of healthcare? Let us know. Please starve below. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please just... What do you think about Star Wars? We'd love to hear from you. But um, thank you for writing in, Travis. I'm sorry that we kind of had to... um, We didn't really speak a whole lot about your favorite games, but we did take that... See, I think Ukraine has too much military aid. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Whatever you say, Ryan. Whatever you say. But um, yeah, no, I would love for this to be an ongoing discussion because as much as we love The Rise of Skywalker, it's a movie that I need to see more. It's something that I'm still digesting and that I'm still thinking about where it ranks among my other favorite Star Wars movies, um, if at all. You know, There's a lot to digest there, a lot to unpack. We've only seen it once, and to be fair, we saw it pretty late at night. So Yeah, I mean, if you listen to my opinions, I don't make any sense. Apparently, I said things about Finn being hot, and that's him crying. You said... <laughs> Which I don't remember at all. I was asking about the different characters' performances, and you were like, yeah, Finn was good. Uh, he cried once, and he's hot. He has hair now. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> I'm not. Co- what an astute observation, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, surface level shit. Yeah, yeah. But we honestly, in in hindsight, should have taken we, a night to to rest, gather our thoughts, and then do our review. Yeah, or seen it the next morning. Like I can't form opinions at twelve o'clock. That's way past my bedtime. Hell, nine o'clock when we started the movie was past my bedtime. And we went to bed at like two. Yeah. Why well, went, went to bed at five? Five o'clock in the morning that next day. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Well, Ryan. Something... Thanks for the email. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. <laughs> we 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 appreciate we, you. Yeah, we want more. We do want you. more emails. If you don't mind sending them in, um, even if your opinions are wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of. Ryan and I also wanted to do something a little different for the show. So while next week we're going to be talking about our most anticipated games for the year. We kind of wanted to have some almost gaming New Year's resolutions or just kind of hopes that we had going into this next year. Things we might want to play, bucket list items, whatever it might be. So, um, Ryan, this is kind of just freeform, open discussion. So, okay, what did you come up with? Yeah, I watched The Witcher this week in like two days. The Netflix new thing with um, Kevin or Heaven, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> you got there eventually, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Henry Cavill. Cavill. Yeah, Cavill. Um, Superman. He is gorgeous. He has the jawline of a god. <laughs> and I want his butt chin in my face. Okay. So, uh, Did you say his butt chin? Yeah, he's got a butt chin. Yeah, like uh, so, Jay Leno. Yeah, it's, I mean... Not but, that like, pronounced. But, like, his butt chin does squats. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's a buff butt chin. So, like... Yeah. <laughs> He's gorgeous. Like I love his yellow eyes and Geralt. Uh, it, I like the character, and it makes me want to play The Witcher Three. The Witcher Three. Um, from what I've heard of what like reviews of The Witcher Three that I was watching, it plays through some of the like similar plot lines of this. Yeah. Um, there's like three main characters in that TV show. Um, there's like a little girl. There's a witch, Yennefer, and Geralt. And then there's like this little minstrel guy, a bard. And just all the interactions are great. A lot of good action. Um, 
generally action like scenes of Netflix are questionable. Mm-hmm. But these are well done. There's lots of nudity I was surprised by. Okay. Usually you don't think of nudity when you think of Netflix. You not think at all. of like HBO. Yeah. Um not gonna complain. Um some parts it was excessive, not to bitch about boobs, but like <laughs> they're there and um didn't take away from the plot at all. There a lot of it made sense in the plot. It wasn't just like boobs for boobs sake. Well, the Witcher three is or it's just the Witcher games in general are kind of known for that. Yeah. It isn't like God of War, like, let's actually press buttons to have sex with people. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. No, it was a good, it was a good watch. Definitely worth watching. Um, I ha- I'm re-watching it. I think I'm, like, three or four episodes in again. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of the timeline, the first, like, it jumps back and forth to do, like, flashback episodes. Kind okay, of. yeah. But it doesn't really tell you where it is in the timeline. And I think per episode, they jump... Like forward and backwards, so mm-hmm. it's a little confusing. Okay. So there's definitely on the second run through, it, it makes a lot more sense. You're like, oh, that's why they did that later on in like the season. Yeah. So worth watching. Um, so The Witcher, probably finish Borderlands three. Um, get back into Battlefront two. You're saying that they're adding on to that? Yeah. So I'm not really sure. To what extent, but I know post-Rise of Skywalker, there's going to be a new planet, which is probably going to be Exegol, but I'm not for certain on that. Okay. And then, I think, new playable characters. Cool. So. Yeah, that'd be fun to get back into that. Yeah, no, I've been having some good times, and we're not going to really do a Games We've Been Playing Recently segment, just because this episode's already running pretty long. Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. For Ryan. But um, <laughs> I have been dipping my toes back into Battlefront 2 Online, and it's kind of scratching that itch that I had, you know, like whether I played Uncharted Online or Call of Duty back in the day, it's just fun. Kind of yeah. mindless, just, I don't know. The microtransactions and, and things of that nature are in no way um, impeding on my enjoyment of it. Are they out, or are, they, are there microtransactions? I'm sure there is, but it's I'm, I literally, when the, the menu screen pops up, I go to multiplayer, and whatever the 40-player online is, I just mm-hmm. click that, so... Okay. Yeah. I, and graphically, it's great. The shooting mechanics are f- fantastic for. Yeah. For I think they put shooting. the jet trooper back in there, which was my favorite in the original. Okay. It's got like a pistol, and he has like a, I don't know, energy blast thing. Nice. So I'll probably play that. Um, Wolfenstein. I have to oh, play those. Good lord! Please play those yeah. games. They're so Except good. Except for Young Blood. Um, and then let's see, Sekiro. I have to beat. Maybe uh, Neo. I, Neo Two is coming out, which I'm excited for. Oh yeah, I need to so, play Neo since it was part of uh, PS Plus. Yeah, so we can play through that one together. Yeah, you're like a British dude in Japan who's a ninja. Oh, makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, Assassin's Creed. I could go back to the uh, Odyssey. Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I think I want to play through that one. That's the grinded out Athens style. Yeah. Okay. Then Athens. It's not the Egypt one. No, you gave me that one. I did. I forget what that's called. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Open world. And then KOTOR 2, I have. Oh, yes. We should definitely play through that together. I'm game for that. Yeah, on PC. Yeah, because I never beat it my first time playing it. Good stuff. But, yeah, those are my games that I want to play. Nice. That I own currently. I have a couple things here. Before I get into these, I actually did forget to talk about Lauren's top three games. So, she played... 
a good handful of games this year. Uh, the ones that she stuck to the most, and in some cases are still playing, number three, she told me, is Pitcross 3D, which is one of the best puzzle games on the Nintendo DS. What is it? One of my favorite puzzle games, Pitcross 3D. Okay. You have, like, this cube, and mm-hmm. there are numbers on each side of the cube, which tell you how many of those cubes need to remain to form a picture. So it might be, I don't know, a dinosaur, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to basically chisel away in this cube, and the numbers on the cube let you know how many times you need to click away at the different cubes to kind of, again, chisel away to form the picture. Okay. Unless you've played Picross, it sounds crazy. It does sound crazy. But I'll it's actually really, really fun. I'll have to watch that review. So Picross 3D is number three for her. Number two is Yoshi's Woolly World on the 3DS, which is similar to Craft a World in that um, instead of collecting outfits, you collect different skins. So yeah. it might be like a Rainbow Yoshi or a Watermelon Yoshi and stuff like that. Equally as adorable, and the soundtrack is actually incredible. Nice. Unlike Craft a World, of course. And number one for her was Dragon Quest Eleven. Wow. On the Switch. She's 25 hours in, still going strong. Nice. Yeah, I really... My favorite character in that was, like, the flamboyant, like, swords guy. Yeah, what was his name? I don't know. Quasimodo? (laughs) (laughs) Close. No, it's, uh... Uh, Fernando or... Something like that. Silvando. Silvando. There it is. Yeah, he was great. And he, like, disappointed his dad. And, like, there's just... He's just so flamboyant and hilarious. (sighs) I did like that game. Yeah. It just, the final boss was rough. Yeah, I enjoyed Dragon Quest Eleven. Some of my goals for the year, Ryan. Um, number one, continue to break away from the desire to just finish games. I think I yes. took a step in the right direction this year in doing that. And instead, just kind of enjoyed the experience. And if I didn't want to play video games, I just said, screw it. I'm not going to play video games and force myself to just push through games. Step away, play in 64, or don't play games at all which goes and feeds into my next two goals. Um, I want to watch more movies I haven't seen. Right. Last year, I made a list of 100 movies that I wanted to watch. Um, not necessarily on any constricted timeline or restrictive timeline. <laughs> it was just, these are 100 films that I haven't seen that I want to watch. And I actually have a coworker of mine who's been recommending a lot of different movies to me. One of them specifically was the 1982 Conan the Barbarian with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Great action flick. Loved it. Talk about amazing soundtracks. The score to that film is phenomenal. And he is a beast. He's a god in that movie. He really is. And Arnold is at his best when he's not talking in movies. Yeah. Believe it or not. Just grunting and slashing up people with a sword. Flexing those pecs. Yeah. So Conan the Barbarian, another one he recommended to me were just other 80s classics like Labyrinth, uh, Willow, just just films like that. I need to see Pan's Labyrinth is the one I see. Yeah, so there's just a lot of those movies that I haven't seen that I want to. Another one that he recommended to me was Seven Samurai, which is one of the most well-known, world-renowned action flicks that in many cases um, are influential in a lot of future movies because this movie came out in the 50s. Okay, like so. 47 Ronin. Yeah, Did you probably. ever watch that? I got it on okay. Blu-ray. Haven't watched yeah, but, it yet. Okay. So add that to the list of 100 movies. Um, and then the, my third goal is read five books this next year. Nice. Because I am terrible at reading. Um, not the act of doing so, but like I just... I don't know words. <laughs> yeah, it's not that I can't read. I just don't. And so yeah. I need to do it more. Um, coming away from college and studying for my CPA license, I just had no desire to pick up any book. So, Yeah. I'm For me, it's I want to pick up painting. I want to finish up painting that's behind you. Yes. It's the uh, Tron cycle. Mm-hmm. 
So I was trying to figure clean my palette off last night. Uh, I got a little bit. It's the problem is it's still coating from the Harry Potter painting. So oh. I, like I have to knife my way like because the it's been dry for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So once I clean that, I'll start again. I'm gonna get a dog this year. Hell yeah, you are. A new job. Yes, you are. <laughs> and I I also want to read some more. There's Lauren got me that book on data. Oh like yeah. Visual data or whatever. Sounds like a snooze fest to me, but whatever you Yeah, like, I'm going to read it before bed. Whatever floats your boat. And there's like that other one she got. It's about like your dream job, which I have to read because I don't know what my dream job is. This podcast, Ryan. Yes. We're going to take over Joe Rogan. Yes, we talk are. Talk about like plant-based diets. We are going right to require $5 from each and every one of you before you can listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, Join our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Link in the show notes below. Um, do do uh, podcasts do is Patreon a thing? Yeah, is that really for anything? I don't know how Patreon works. Yeah, you could do a Patreon for a YouTube channel for a podcast. GoFundMe. I can't say. I'm gonna chop off my legs, so I need medical. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. So like, those are a few things. I also want to do. Um, train for buds training. What's that? The uh, Navy SEAL like entrance exam. Why in the buds. world would you do that to yourself? Well, so there's like there's a certain requirement for like swimming a 500 under a certain amount of time. I think it's like 13 minutes for the lowest. A certain amount of consecutive push-ups, pull-ups, and a one and a half mile run. Why don't you just do the Ironman? No. I can't run for like 20 miles. Be better. <laughs> <laughs> Quit being mediocre and sucking at life, Ryan. Yeah. No, my knees have started to bother me. Not to the extent your knees. Oh, are. you think leg pressing 1,200 pounds is probably not a good idea anymore? Yeah. Well, so now I'm like, I think I capped out at like 450 today. Good. That's probably all you need to be doing. Even that's yeah. excessive. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a goal-oriented person, so I need something... If I'm not working towards something, I don't care about life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this at least gives me something to work towards, like, as an end goal for working out. Yeah. It's more, like, body weight opposed to, let's put 500 pounds on your back. No, I think that's a lot better for you because, and again, like, I was, you know as well as anyone, like, I was obsessed with lifting, but it gets to a point where it's just boring. Like it, yeah. it's it. That's why like I want to get into like Krav Maga and yoga. And Dude, these... if you do Krav Maga, I'll Krav Maga with you. Okay, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, but like I could kill people so much quicker. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, no. Is like... Be Israeli, Israeli, Krav yeah. Maga champion. We can we could hang out with our boy Keanu. Yeah, we could be in John Wick Four, Ryan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would happily let him wreck my jaw in a, in a library and just destroy my face. Dude, that was so over the top. Yeah. I saw him on, like, Sports Center. He was, like, doing an interview. Mm-hmm. Or he was just talking about a game because he was in his jersey. And I was like, that guy died. Yeah. <laughs> very, he, his jaw's back. Um, but, no, I want – getting back to the what we were talking about, when it comes to, like, physical fitness and exercise, I think I'm not done with, like, lifting. But it just – I don't know, like the enjoyment I get out of it, the dopamine release of um, like hitting PRs and things like that, it just grows stale 
relatively quickly unless you're doing unless you have a personal trainer like Chris Hemsworth who's like having you pick up houses and then drop and doing like 30 like burpees and stuff like that unless you have someone there to instruct you to do different things to kind of confuse your body yeah I think it just grows stale like I don't care about PRs for like weight like the other week I beat my deadlift by like 50 pounds and I was like cool I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, this doesn't do anything. I'm like... Like, in college, though, that was a big thing, you know? It was like, oh... Let's get swole. Yeah. Eat some meat, drink the beer, <laughs> have the women, watch... Swing <laughs> a sword. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. Like, my deadlift, I got it up to 385, and I'm like, my back's gonna break if I continue to go higher. I'm like, do I... Do I need to go to 400? Because 405 would be cool. Mm-hmm. Like 445s on each side. But I'm like, I've done 1945s each side on a leg press. I'm like, pretty good. Like, <laughs> Kind of a big deal. Yeah. My, my legs hurt and my knees are broken. Mainly my right knee. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I think I still enjoy lifting. I love the pain. Yeah. The no, it's, that's a real thing. It, yeah. It's fun. And I love the pain of the next day and like, huh, I wonder if a drop set's going to be fun. Let's freaking try it out. Mm-hmm. Like, let's hurt. And it, it's a good stress reliever, but like, I need a goal that's achievable. And tangible. Like, you know, I mean. Like, my times, I, I hate timing stuff, but like, to get a 13-minute 500s in swimming, I think... I'm not a distance swimmer, but my normal time was like a 707, which is a horrible 500 time, but that's when I was swimming. Mm-hmm. But if I could get back to like a 707, I'd be happy for yeah. swimming a 500. 2020 is the year we become swole and take care of our bodies, Ryan. Fuck yeah. What's up? Let's get swole. Uh, some of my other goals here, play a variety of games on different consoles. So I would like to, and I'm not trying to check all of these boxes. These are just ideas that I'd like to work towards. Um, whether I accomplish all of them is probably not going to happen. Except getting swole. That, we're checking that box this Yeah, year. we need to. Uh, play a variety of games. We can strut around that pool outside. Oh, dude, yeah. Mm. Wearing some aviators. Yeah, those leopard pants Those that one band was wearing. Oh, yes. Um, so beat a PS1, PS2, or N64 game. Okay. I just want to tap into like my retro collection because um, more often than not, I just pick up Battlefront 2 on PS2 or Perfect Dark on the N64. I never like work towards polishing off some of these games. I recently acquired Castlevania on the N64. Oh, cool. I would love to play that game to completion. Or Rayman 2 The Great Escape. Games that I played growing up, but I never actually drew up to completion. I'd like to do that for one of those games. Uh, and then I just have a bucket list of games here uh, that I'd like to potentially play this year. Shenmue HD. An iconic game that came out on the Sega Dreamcast that I got the HD um, port for on the PS4. Mm-hmm. I'd love to play that game. A Metal Gear Solid game. I started the first one on PS1 and just had to shelve it because it was just frustrating me to no end. Yeah. Maybe I skip that game and play Metal Gear Solid 2 or 3 or even skip ahead and just play The Phantom Pain, the fifth game. Yeah. The best one? Um, That's debatable. I'm not well-versed in the Metal Gear series to be I've able to never sp- played any speak of them. to that. Banjo-Tooie. Love the first game. I've never played the second one beyond some of the multiplayer. Okay. I'd love to play that. A Final Fantasy game. I would love to play through Final Fantasy 15 with you this year. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard mixed things about that. Yeah, but I mean, I think for someone like you that hasn't played like half of the Final Fantasy games, you don't have I've like... I've played one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good though, because it's kind of like going into 
um, the Metal Gear Solid series, or you know, a series that has a robust fan base and a number of games surrounding it, but each game isn't really tied to the other. Yeah, necessarily um, as it relates to Final Fantasy, at least. I'd be fine with that. We should play cool fifteen. Um, <laughs> I I'd, I'd, I'd suffer through that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I guess like, it went from I'd be fine with that to be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then a Super Nintendo Classic game. So I have that Super Nintendo mini console. Yeah. I would love to boot that up and play through... I mean, it could be as simple and quick as Star Fox or as gargantuan of a game as like Final Fantasy VI or Earthbound. But I would like to play and complete a game on that little console. Okay, cool. So that's all I got, man. And God of War. You played that one. Yes, God of War is a big one. Beat Horizon. I'm trying to think what other games you need to play. Because other than that, I mean, the biggest ones that you wanted me to play were Fallout Dark Souls. 76. I, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently that got hacked to all hell. Oh. Like, yeah. Like, to the point where there's probably going to be lawsuits. Cool. So, people hacked into it and basically anything that has, like, an asset they can spawn. So, they spawned, like, a blimp that was still in the registry from Fallout 4 uh. and just put it in the world. But now there's a hack where you, they can just steal your inventory and like just run up to you or be a couple hundred yards away mm-hmm. and take everything in your inventory, including the items that they purchase with real money. Ooh, that's a big no, no. And there was just like YouTube videos of people like stealing from like 500 people. So it's like people put potentially hundreds of dollars into like cosmetics or weapons from the atomic shop mm-hmm. that are just getting stolen. That's a problem. Yeah. So that's going to be, I think they're off too this week on Christmas break, so that'll be interesting. Bethesda's going to have a, a fun little picnic to come back to so when they get might, back. Yeah, we might not get a new Elder Scrolls. Well, I have kind of lost all hope for that. Me too. Developer and games that they've they create because well, their track record the past couple of years has been pretty terrible. Yeah. So, well, Ryan, that's all I got for goals. What a great year for gaming. Uh, what a great year for Star Wars. Yes. Mandalorian. Rise of Skywalker. Yoda. Mm. Little baby Yoda. Just end your game of the year. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, yeah, really good stuff. I'm starting to play Battlefront 2 again. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably hop on that one. Before you leave, I want to show you what I'm talking about, the card system, while you're getting wrecked on the heroes versus villains. Okay, we can check that out. Okay. We want to thank everyone for listening. Again, please get in on the Discord. The link is in the show notes. Talk about Star Wars. Talk about your favorite games of the year. Or talk about what you're most anticipating for next year. Whatever you want to talk about in the Discord, as long as we don't need to ban you for saying it, we'd love to have you there. You can also, again, write into the podcast at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Maybe write in with a few games you're looking forward to next year. Yeah, I mean, if your opinions are different than ours, we will ban you. <laughs> we will do that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So. This is a two-man train, and if you don't want to get on, you don't agree with what we're saying, Yeah, I we'll mean, we're, we're also gods, so worship us. <laughs> <laughs> And we require tithing of 10%. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we also want you firstborn. <laughs> okay, Ryan, let's, we're tiptoeing into territory we shouldn't be going. Yeah, so we're pretty high up on the uh, bite scale or bite model. And, uh, yeah, join us. Ryan speaking nonsense. When he does that, we have to turn off his mic. If- Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. We Actually, hope you enjoyed it. No, Ryan, we're done. I was, I was watching this thing on Colts today. Ryan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, there's this, um, it was like the 12 tribes cult. 
and they have a bunch of like yellow subs or like places where they like recruit people out of these sub shops and they like it's all about beating children so that they become good and they breathe fire because like heaven's full of 40 or 144,000 fire breathing men <laughs> and I was like what the fuck is going on but it's apparently started by a school guidance counselor which is terrifying so be careful that your school guidance counselors don't start cults you might want to ask that question when you go into a new school this is an educational program, yeah. folks. We'll see you next week.